Bros. This is the All Bros Podcast. I'm Caleb. And today I am lacking my, my, my co-host. <laughs> he, he had some work stuff going on. But don't fear, you don't have to listen to me talk to myself. Uh, today I am joined by Jason from Shit Happens When You Party Naked. What's up, Jason? Whoop, whoop. Wu-Tang, what's up? What's up? <laughs> I'm sorry, Rose isn't going to be here. I love Rose. I love that. I always imagine the girl from Titanic. You know what I'm saying? The Rose from <laughs> Titanic. She's so good looking. I just imagine he's like all sultry. He's got those pouty, pillowy lips. I just want to <laughs> smooch him. It's too bad he's not here. I want to sexually harass him all episode, but I'll just have to, he'll just have to listen in on this episode as I sexually harass him not here. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> And I'm just going to make sure, look, no one's going to miss Rose today because I'm not going to shut the fuck up. It's not like I ever shut the fuck up. That's my talents. My superpower is just talking the whole time. It might be better if it's just us two because I have a hard time being quiet. Well, hell, that's why we love you, Jason. <laughs> I love you guys. This is my favorite movie podcast to be on. This is one of my favorite podcasts to guest on. I always have so much fun coming on here talking about movies and talking about wild shit that pops into my brain. I love it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, we got a we got a pretty exciting episode this week, kind of. Uh, in Adventures in Hunting, we got a decent list of new pop figures. I mean, kind of. It's a shorter list, but I mean, I think the figures are pretty badass. Don't sell it short, baby. You're like, we got an exciting episode, kind of. And we got a few pops, <laughs> kind of. You know, don't, hey, we, there's people listening. We got we to gotta blow this shit up. It's a short list, but it's fantastic, just like my dick. Short but fantastic. You're going to love every inch and all one of them. That's it. That's all we got, but you're going to fucking love it. You know what? The list of pops is short, but it's very thick, like a Coke can. And we got a fucking exciting episode today. I can't, I'm, I'm so pumped to talk about what we got to talk about today. I'm excited from the waist down. <laughs> Yeah, and then with Blu-rays, uh, we don't have any new releases, but Jason's going to talk to us about some of the ones that he picked up. Absolutely. Um, I got a pile here that I'm excited to talk to somebody about because I try to talk to my wife about my Blu-ray purchases, my 4K acquisitions, and she just fucking glosses over, and she's just like, la, 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 stop spending money, la, 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 I don't care. And I'm all like, what do you want from me? I bought her The Matrix on 4K. It's her favorite fucking movie of all time. It's in her top three favorite movies of all time. My wife is pretty cool sometimes. But she's like, whatever. We had it on DVD. I'm like, that DVD is from 1997. It's 720p. We got a 4K television. How do you want to take advantage of this technology we spent thousands of dollars on with a 720p fucking DVD from 1998? What do you want from me? I bought you a 4K steelbook for your freaking birthday. And you're like, I don't care. I mean, come on, somebody gives you a gift, and you're just like, yeah, so what? I like the DVD. I'll get you a VHS player next year. How about that? For Christmas, I'm putting a VHS player in her stocking. You get the last copy of The Matrix in fucking VHS. We could watch that shit on 280i. Shit. <laughs> but I'm, I'm very happy to talk to you about it because I feel like you care more than my wife does about my big stack of fucking 4K steelbooks. No one gives a shit about what I do but, but you, except for you. I got you and Rose. They, we absolutely care. and we. Uh, that's why I love I mean, you guys. Yeah, and I freaking love your wife. She's hilarious. She's pretty awesome. <laughs> I love but she does she's like, on. 
She doesn't give a she doesn't give a shit. I'm like trying to get excited about. It. I'm like, oh, we got this 4K steel book just came in. Goodfellas, Goodfellas is in her top three as well. Those two of her top three movies I just mentioned. Her third is Avatar, which is gay, but at least two of her top three movies are good. Two of her top three movies are like all time goats. That's why I married her. I was like, you could take a mulligan for the third one. Avatar's a piece of shit, but whatever the fuck, I don't care. All right, you got good. We got Goodfellas in there. We can watch Goodfellas all the time. We can watch Matrix all the time, and whatever. I'll I'll put my pants on and go take a fucking nap when you watch Avatar. I don't give a shit. But yeah, we got I got Goodfellas on 4K, and I'm like, let's watch this shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> She don't give a shit. She don't give oh. a shit about no 4K. She thinks I made it up. She honestly, she's like, I don't see a difference. Check your fucking glasses, lady. Jeez. Oh. Yeah, that's a shame. With I know. With I mean, 4K is just fantastic. I, I did the thing with Goodfellas, too, because we had an old DVD. I bought Goodfellas on DVD in this Martin Scorsese box set of DVDs that came out in, like, 2004, 2005, and I bought this box set of Martin Scorsese films, one of which was Goodfellas, and I hadn't upgraded it since then. I was waiting for 4K. So they released it on 4K in a steel book. I can't wait to talk about that in a minute, but I put in the DVD. We watched the whole opening sequence, you know, where they're driving along and they hear the thunk, thunk in the trunk, and then they pull over and they open it, and they, oh, my God, Billy Bats is still alive, and they fucking whack him out, and then uh, Ray Liotta, main character, just... He, clay, he, he walks over to the trunk, and he's like, ever since I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And then, boom, slams the trunk, and then the, the movie just starts, and you're just fucking already pulled in. It's a master. I mean, it's one of the best films of all time. I'm prepared to say today to your listeners, to you, to Rose, when he gets back, I'm prepared to say right now that I do believe that you could mount a very convincing argument for why Goodfellas is the best film of all time, all fucking time time suck my dick wizard of oz suck my dick gone with the wind suck my dick citizen kane orson wells eat my ass but goodfellas best of all time we popped the dvd in we watched the opening sequence i popped a 4k and we watched the opening sequence and it's fucking i'm telling you it's everything you would want from a 4k the fucking visuals are crisp but you still get that beautiful grain that you only get when somebody like martin scorsese shoots on actual 35 millimeter i mean that they were doing that back then they're not doing that anymore it's all digital it's bullshit it's green screen this is all practical everything is there lighting is all real it's not cg shit and it's just fights the it's exactly what you want from a 4k and she's like i don't see a difference i swear to god if i was a more violent man i would beat my i would have beat my <laughs> wife right then and there She's. I'm like you're lucky you you married a man who does not believe in physical violence, but I do believe in being passive aggressive, and it's gonna cost you. <laughs> so that's my story about Goodfellas. Before we talk about Goodfellas, <laughs> <laughs> oh hell yeah! And then after that, we will be getting into our main event, which will be a all bros. And shit happens when you party naked breakdown of Holiday in Handcuffs. Oh yeah, boy! If you ain't seen Holiday in Handcuffs, push pause right now. It's on Freeform. Go stream that shit for free. Come back and talk to us when you've seen Holiday in Handcuffs, motherfucker. If you DM me and you ain't seen Holiday in Handcuffs, I'm not responding. I'm blocking you. I'm reporting you to fucking Twitter. I'm going to get you banned, motherfucker. You watch Holiday in Handcuffs. It's a Melissa Joan Hart, Mario Lopez classic. Hells yes. I'm enthusiastic so, about with, that film, obviously. What was that? 
I'm enthusiastic about that film, obviously. It's a motion picture that I really brings back good memories for me. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, let's get into it. Hell yeah. Every day, we're surrounded by media. Books, movies, art, music, games, apps, podcasts, etc., etc., with this constant bombardment, it's easy to miss great media gems in the chaos. But fret not, you've come to the right place, my friend. I'm Jason, and I love media. I invite you to check out the Mixed Media Forest podcast, the podcast where I trudge through the forests of media to find hidden gems for you, the listener. Every episode of Mixed Media Forest is chock full of fun, Reviews, nostalgia, positivity, news, rants, stories, and recommendations about all things media. Again, that's the Mixed Media Forest podcast, created on Anchor Podcasting app and available everywhere fine podcasts can be found. Give it a listen. It's what all the cool kids are doing. I feel like I kind of got into it a little prematurely there just a minute ago. I feel like I was like, I'm ready to dive in. I got a Goodfellas rant that I didn't even know was inside me. Yeah, I'm excited to get into that a little bit more. Hell yeah. Um, But first off, we got some new pop figures that we're going to talk about. Okay, okay. So the first one, or the first new line that we're going to talk about is some Golden Girls. Hmm. Yeah. So I did not, unfortunately, grow up watching Golden Girls. <laughs> I didn't either. I didn't A watch any Golden Girls. Time. Yeah. I mean, I was young when it was new. Like, I was young. Like, I was born in the 80s, and that shit was new in the 80s. I'm, I'm afraid I was too busy watching Transformers cartoons to give a fuck about a couple old broads. <laughs> I didn't watch it. Yeah, well, this one, so these ones, and I'll show you here, are the Golden Girls in their bowling uniforms. Oh, okay. Yeah. So first up, we got Rose, and it looks like she's preparing to bowl. That's not how I imagine our then, Rose. That's not, yeah, I don't no, imagine right? our Rose like that. I imagine our Rose has the big, soft, pillowy lips, and I'm the king of the world, and I'm just, I got my arms wrapped around his waist uh, on the bow of the Titanic. You know what I'm saying? The wind rushing through <laughs> our hair, and I can smell his sweet scent. <laughs> oh, if I was a better artist, that would, that would be our episode art. <laughs> it should be. Maybe I'll, I'll do something about that. I'll try to put his head on top of Rose. He can feel my hot breath on his neck and my erection on the small of his back. You know, he's like, what are you poking me with? It's a pencil. Don't worry. I put a, I just came from class. I got a pencil in my pocket. Don't worry about that. Uh, uh, next up, we got Sophia. Also, like, all of these are in their bowling uniforms. Yeah. Silver Fox there. Yeah, then Blanche. Or Blanche. Is that how you say her name? Blanche? I think yeah, I think so. I think so. It's this it you pronounce it the same way as what you do to the vegetables when you're trying to cook them. When you blanch vegetables <laughs> in boiling water. 
yeah. What you don't know about me is I'm I'm all about cookery. Oh, I recognize her. She actually looks like the actress. They actually made a pop that looks like the person. Yeah, so this one is of Dorothy. So all of them are wearing, like, kind of pink bowling shirts with black sleeves, except for Dorothy. She's wearing... I, I can't tell if this is, like, just a normal shirt. Of yeah, I can't. Whatever, but... Honestly, it looks like she Golden works Girls, at Walmart. I, l- I love her the most. <laughs> I do, too. I do. She's definitely the hottest one, too. I'm just saying. I mean, if you got to pick one of the Golden Girls to try and impregnate, not that any of them, I think they're all kind of past that, but you know what I'm saying. She's the best-looking one. She's the hottest one. Yeah. I have a thing for women that intimidate me and she's one of those people that i feel would intimidate me in real life yeah i've always wondered how that how that works because i always have a thing with like i don't women that intimidate me i'm like nope nope my penis doesn't want to play now because you're being a bitch intimidating (laughs) women although i guess every woman i've ever married has been pretty intimidating so maybe i do maybe i'm with you scare the shit out of me at least (laughs) hell yeah it's freaking great like i i i don't know there's just something about them that i feel is uh intriguing i see (laughs) i like being scared of (laughs) my significant other (laughs) yeah that's definitely that's definitely true like mine might stab me if i fuck around so (laughs) yeah i feel you oh mine too uh, next up in, we have a new line in Marvel. So this is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier pop figures. Uh, so first one that we got is a new Winter Soldier. Yeah. Did he cut his hair again? I I thought Bucky had the long hair. I was, I was digging that long hair, but he looks like he got short hair again. Oh yeah. He had that really long Jesus hair for a while, but. Went yeah, back he, to he clean looked shaven like he was, and clean. He cut. looked like he was about to bless you with some metal fists. Like he was gonna bless you by breaking his foot off in your ass. Hell yeah. And I really dig this figure because it's like in an action pose. Yeah. Because I feel like all the other Winter Soldier figures that they've done have been in like really bland poses. So it's nice yeah. to see one where it's a little bit cooler. Yeah. Uh, the next in that line, we got Falcon, and it looks like he's in a new, like, different colored suit now. Kind of a little bit more comic accurate than we've gotten. Okay. Uh, so it. this is, yeah, pretty badass. Um, where's the um? Where's the Captain America shield? Isn't he going to be wielding that in the new uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier series? He's going to. I don't know if they're going to release the, that figure yet because they haven't released what his suit's going to look like yet. Okay. So you think that might be like, like a bit only, of a spoiler? Yeah. So the only thing that's been released that's kind of spoiled it is a prototype of an action figure. But it wasn't painted or anything. It was just like okay. just the plastic. I see. Yeah, so we don't know exactly what it's going to look like yet. And then, last up in this line, we got Baron Zemo. 
Oh, they're bringing back old Baron Zemo. I heard about that. Hell Just yeah. And they're actually giving time. him the comic accurate outfit. Hell yeah. Which I think he's one of the more underrated uh, Captain America villains. So I'm glad that For they're sure. bringing him back. I mean, he fucked up the Avengers. He couldn't. Fu- he couldn't. He couldn't fuck them up with like brute force the way Thanos could. Thanos could just like put up his dukes and just fuck up all the Avengers and stand toe to toe with Cap, Thor, and Iron Man at the same time. Baron Zemo could never stand up and produce that much physical force. But he got inside their heads. He was working in the shadows. He used subterfuge. He used uh, an advanced knowledge of these tactics and he knew that he could use the winter soldier against them and that he could divide and conquer what he did is he drove a wedge in between the avengers and he split them up divide and conquer style he used superior tactics patience and honestly he fucked up the avengers pretty much as bad as thanos ever did he just did it in a different way so you got to respect him i think you're right he's underrated because you got to respect his ability to like get inside people's heads and understand the relationships and then break them up, you know, split them apart and shit like that. Hell yeah. I think Zemo is one of those villains that could easily be translated into a James Bond villain. Yeah. He was a, like a James Bond style villain. You want to talk about something that gives me erections, James Bond. Hell yeah. Motherfucker. I love James Bond movies. Shit. Yeah. So those figures are going to be coming out shortly. Um, Next up, we got a new collection of figures coming out. So this is Bruce Banner Avengers okay. Shwarma scene. Yeah, I was thinking and this they is an Amazon more, exclusive. They need more Shwarma pop pop figures. I was thinking that. Yeah, so this is the first of six that they're releasing. So. Okay. They haven't hmm. like announced the other ones yet or shown what those are going to look like, but they're. I'm no. assuming they're all going to come from the scene. With it's got to like be little, Thor, yeah, Cap, Natasha, Clint, and Tony. It's got to be all of them when they were like eating the shawarma and they were still like, you know, like the restaurant was falling apart, like the ceiling was falling in, and they were just sitting there kind of exhausted, like various levels of of picking at the shawarma because they were just like almost too exhausted to eat, but then they needed to eat because they were fucking hungry undoubtedly from fighting all day and shit. You don't think about when's the last time any of those guys got a good meal in that movie. It doesn't show them sitting down to like a hot meal that's nourishing and allows you to fight, but you got to think if you're a superhero, you're going to be fighting. You need calories for that. That's like a very high energy activity and um these guys are athletic specimens so it's not like they got a whole lot of extra fat to sustain them especially hulk i would imagine that guy needs to eat near constantly i'm surprised he's not constantly eating just because of how much calories must that take to be the hulk it's got to be i mean he's fucking like 12 feet tall and like 900 pounds i mean that's that's a fuck ton of calories that it requires to sport he's like one percent body fat so it, it must require a fuck ton of calories to support that like entire chinese buffets like four or five times a day oh yeah easily 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 um, but they never show these guys eat it's like how you, how are you 900 pounds and you never fucking eat like my fucking anorexic <laughs> sister ate more than you did she's fucking 97 pounds 
Fucking yeah, maybe that's why he's pissed off all the time. Yeah, he's fucking hangry. <laughs> fucking Hulk smash yeah. a burrito, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I like these figures, but I'm also a little irritated, too, because they've just released the... Uh, the like the circle of all the figures where they're gathering like their Avengers assemble moment in the movie. Mm-hmm. So they yeah. just finished releasing all of those and it's really cool. They like you group them together. Like they all connect. And then like in the middle is like a big Avengers symbol. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then they started releasing these and all of these are going to be Amazon. If I mean, as long as the, uh, they keep with what they did yeah. for the Avengers Assemble moment, but this one's badass. <laughs> is there a chance a they run irritated. out of ideas? Is there is there a chance they just run out of ideas for Funkos? Like, I feel like they might be scraping the bottom of the barrel a little bit when they, like, let's do a figure this month of Bruce Banner eating shawarma. Okay, let's do that. I mean, it feels like you're kind of getting sort of towards the bottom, right, when you're Remember that scene where they were eating shawarma mid-credits and if you left too early because you had to piss really bad, uh, you missed it? Yeah, let's do a let's do some pops of that whole serum. We're going to do all six of them. We're going to sell them separately. kind of feels like they're... What happens when they get to, done with ideas? Do they make like Funko Pops of like, here's, the, here's a Funko Pop of a stool. This is a Funko Pop of a, a toothpaste tube. You know, like do they ever just run out of ideas or do you think they just keep cranking them out somehow? I think they're they're scraping the bottom of the barrel with some of these. Um, I think so too. <clears throat> this is definitely one that I wasn't expecting them to do. Like I expected it more after they did the whole Avengers Assemble ones. I'm like they're gonna do shawarma eventually, but yeah. I think with the release of Black Widow and all of these other Marvel movies being put on hold for so long, it kind of screwed them up. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure we would have gotten this, like, further down the line. Yeah. But they just kind of hit the gas because they have nothing else to release. (laughs) So, I mean, it sucks because I think we would have gotten Black Widow for sure. And I think we would have started to get some Eternal figures. Yeah, we would have because that movie was going to come out this fall, wasn't it? Shouldn't we have already seen that? If the world didn't get fucked up, Black Widow was going to come out in May, and then we were going to see the Eternals like October or November, right? That was going to come out in time to like, yeah, we would have seen that shit already. We would have gone to see that with our significant others over Thanksgiving Day weekend while we talked somebody into watching our kids. Yeah. Yeah. So it sucks because now we won't get Black Widow until, I want to say February. And then Eternals got pushed to, I think Eternals got pushed even further now. I think it's going to be Black Widow and then Shang-Chi and then Eternals. Damn. I mean, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's the the new order of operations now. Okay. Which sucks because I really want to see Eternals. Yeah, I hope they do it good. I mean, I'm a little worried about this next phase of Marvel movies. I'm worried that, like, 
we're going to get a little bit of that superhero fatigue and it's like 22 fucking movies later. It's like, what are you going to do that's new that you haven't done in the other 22 fucking movies you've, I've already seen? And then it's also like, well, why do I give a shit about the Eternals? I mean, at least I remember Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk and Captain America from my childhood. The Eternals are like some fuckers that Jack Kirby created in the late 70s when he was like way fucking high. He spent that whole decade getting fucked up. He creates these comic book characters that weren't exactly household names through the 80s and 90s like Incredible Hulk and Captain America. You could say that shit to anybody. My mom never read a comic book in her fucking life, but she would know even 20 years ago, she would know Captain America. Okay, yeah, I've heard of Captain America. Now fuck off, Jason. You know, go play with your Transformers or whatever. You know, I mean, at least there's some kind of like household brand recognition with even with the X-Men and shit, people know Wolverine even before the X-Men movies. That's why they made the X-Men movies first and Spider-Man and shit. But then it feels like Marvel's putting out the Eternals and it's like, who the fuck's heard of an Eternal? I can't name one fucking Eternal. But I know X-Men, Professor X, Jean Grey, Cyclops, Iceman, Beast, Day 69, whatever. But like the Eternals, I don't I don't know. Angelina Jolie is one of them. That's all I fucking know. The Eternals, what the fuck were they doing when Thanos was fucking everybody up? They couldn't be bothered to lift a fucking finger. You know what I'm saying? Fuck those guys. They're going to have to explain something to me about that. And then B, they're going to have to make these movies fucking interesting to watch because it's getting to a point where it's like, okay, I've seen this already. Nobody fucks anybody, right? Because it's Disney. Disney owns it. So nobody has a penis. Nobody has a vagina. Nobody has any sex with each other whatsoever. I can't watch anybody slap box the Black Widow's titties. I just want to see one person just slap box Black Widow's big old titties. I want to see Scar Joe's big old titties just bouncing on screen for me. Please, Jesus. And then it's the same old shit. It's like, hey, we got there's a bad guy. He's trying to do something bad we don't want. We're going to make a few funny jokes along the way, and then we're going to get him. You know what I'm saying? Like, they need to flip the script on me a little bit. WandaVision is, it looks interesting. Like, they might be doing something a little new and taking a little risk with WandaVision. Yeah. Next year is going to be freaking nuts if we get everything that's supposed to be released. Because we're supposed to get yeah. WandaVision next year. We're supposed to get Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals. And I think there's, like, one other movie that's coming out next year. Yeah, maybe it's like, a it's good thing they nuts. gave us a year off. Could be a good thing they gave us a year. Like, this is our break year. We got to take a year off of Marvel movies. We got to really just marinate in the end game and just really just let that wash over us. We have, like, an, a year to heal emotionally, to move on, to heal, and to be ready to get hurt again. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so that's the uh, Avengers figure that's coming out. And lastly, we are getting some Selena pops. <laughs> Oh, I'm excited about this. I saw that Hot Topic exclusive because I have a text chat with Kaz from the Hood Diner, and he's as crazy about these things as you are. And I saw that fucking Hot Topic Selena earlier. Yeah, he started a whole YouTube thing about it, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Or I didn't know YouTube he was as into it's a YouTube. Yeah, he started a YouTube channel so he could show off his pops. And it's like I had no idea he was as into that as you. And, and the other guys, I, I mean, I didn't know. And then it was like, hey, by the way, subscribe to my YouTube channel, please. And it was like, what the fuck? All right. Yeah, I freaking love Selena. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I like summoning this figure. My, this figure, summoning this my figure does it for me. Yeah, this figure does it for me sexually. Like, I could, 
I could see this figure having some like uh, sexual value to me because I could like rub my penis on that figure. Like that's a, I it's I hesitate to say this because it sounds weird coming out of my mouth, but I feel like that's a sexually attractive pop. I mean, I'm not gonna disagree. <laughs> I mean, I like her with her hair up like that, and she got her hands on her hips, looking all sassy and shit. Like, mm, I dare you to get me pregnant. I'm like, accepted. Yeah, yeah. Like, so one of these is just like a common, but it's glitter. The Hot Topic mm. exclusive is a diamond collection, and then the funk. So the one that we both like, the one where her hair is all up, is a Funko Shop exclusive. So you know that one's going to be a bitch and a half to get. Yeah, jeez. But yeah, I've I had to bring up Selena because. Like I absolutely. said, Latin roots. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hell yeah. So that is yeah, all the like... pop figures that we got. Uh, so moving on, next up. So while we're talking we about pops, are we, are we ta- oh. are we still talking about pops? Because I got a yeah. question for you. Okay, I got a question about the pops because I'm not a pop collector. I've never once bought a pop. And... um. I've been aware of them for a long time, but it feels like the last, I don't know, maybe year or two years, they've really exploded in popularity. Like, I, I feel like, um, um, you know, five, six years ago, it was more of a specialty thing. You could order them online or you might find them in a comic book shop or some kind of specialty store. But I feel like within the last couple of years, even Walmart has pops. They have a big uh, end cap that's just covered with pops. And and that's like Walmart. I mean, it's, yeah, everybody goes to Walmart. I, I feel like they're out there in the ether now, and in the like, the everybody knows what a fucking pop is. Maybe not my mom, but everybody knows what a pop is. So I guess my question is, um, like, when you go into a Walmart or a Target uh, or even an Fye, I went to an Fye the other day. Not the other day. It was last month. It was actually it was in October. I went into an FYE because they had an out-of-print copy of Halloween 2 on a, in a steel book. So they had the out-of-print steel book of Halloween 2, which fetches like an $80 price online. And I walked in there and got it at retail for $20. Bucks. So, um, but then I saw when I was there, FYE has this huge back wall. FYE had quite a selection of pops. But then um, Walmart has a bunch. I've seen them at Target. I mean, I've seen them lots of places. So they see, it seems like there are a lot of pops that are just available at any old Walmart, like not hard to get at all. But then you have ones like that you were just mentioning. One of the Selenas is like a Hot Topic exclusive. The, the Avengers are Amazon exclusives. The other one is like a Funko shop exclusive, so you got to buy it direct from Funko.com or whatever. So it's like um, when you go into FYE or Walmart, what kind of pops are you seeing? Are these like the pops no one wants? Are these like the ones they made a billion of and they got like overflow or what? Because they got a whole wall full of them. But then when I talk to you or Kaz, it's like these things are the holy grail and you got to get up and wait in line overnight. It's like Black Friday shopping and you might have to like stab a lady in the kidney to, to steal it from her kid or something. I don't know. It's weird. So what's the story with the pops that you just, if I walked into FYE, is it just all garbage pops or is it like there's some gems in there? So it just kind of depends. So like the exclusive ones that are like for a specific store, so FYE exclusives, 
Hot Topic exclusives. Mm. Those ones you can only get at those stores. Anyone, f- any figures that don't have those stickers are commons, or they're they're called commons. Yeah. Um, and those ones you can you can literally find anywhere. So yeah. the reason no that one you'll gives see a shit about those is not really not like because you can just get it too easy to get. Yeah, you're not going to go after some pop when it's like, whatever. I saw it at a Walmart. Some kid pissed on it. Yeah. So, like, with those ones, I, like, the way that me and Rose collect, like, we don't go after, like, crazy exclusives. Like, the only reason I would go after the Selena figures is because I grew up and loved Selena. Yeah. And, like, I only collect Marvel figures I have, yeah, like, a few a, others, like, random ones that Rose was getting rid of, and he's just like, you want them? And I'm like, why not? Yeah, it seemed like, <laughs> um, it seems like they release pop. The, the Funko releases too many pops for, for a single human being to try to collect them all. That seems like a, an overwhelming task that really is impossible unless you have tremendous resources to, do, to dedicate to a hobby uh, uh, such as that. It's really very difficult for like a normal human being with like a normal level of income to try to buy every pop. So you kind of have to figure out which ones you want. And I want to focus. It's like steel books. I mean, they release too many steel books. There are different companies. There are different exclusives. Like, you know, there are some that you can only get at Best Buy. Zavi has certain ones online that you have to get from them. So it's like if you tried to buy all of the steel books that were released in a given month, you'd wind up buying 20, 30 steel books. And at 30 bucks a pop average. I mean, that's, that's a, I know guys who spend less money on cocaine, right? I know serious <laughs> cokeheads who spend less money on cocaine and I can't, I just cannot overspend a cokehead on a steelbook habit of mine. So I'm, I'm with you. Like I, I want to collect steelbooks, but I also want to try to stick to movies that I like. I don't want to buy a steelbook for a movie that I've never seen before. I don't even know if I like the movie. That would be stupid to buy a $35 steelbook in 4K for a fucking movie I watch. And I'm like, that movie was fucking stupid. I wish I had my $35 back. So I'm with you. You got to like collect very judiciously. You can't collect them all. But it seems like um, it seems like you you have to go a lot of different sources. You have to go like, I got to go to Hot Topic for the fucking Selena one. And you got to get there early. You got to like hunt for the thing or do they sell them online? Can you do it from the comfort of your own home or you got to get there at the mall like super early? So it kind of just depends. Like a lot of hot topic uh, figures or those exclusive figures are pretty easy, easy to get because they just order like a shit ton of them. Yeah. So those ones are typically not that hard to find. It's just ones that you, the, the weekend that it gets released, you might want to go in and pick it up if you if you want it. Otherwise, yeah. it might disappear, or if it's it happens to be an unpopular one, it'll, it'll be there forever. Um, like I ended up getting a uh, a She Hulk figure that glows in the dark, and that one was okay. a Hot Topic exclusive, and it was there for months. And I just waited for the price to go down before I ended up getting it. What does a pop retail for? Do they are they all the same price, or do they charge more for some of these exclusives because they know they can? Or or what's what's what do you pay for like your average pop? So at Walmart, I think they're like eight bucks. Like the commons are eight bucks, um, and it just depends okay. on the size. I think maybe the exclusive ones are maybe ten. 
and then like they have like different sizes so like the normal like if you're going to walmart getting a normal sized figure that's a walmart exclusive you're probably paying 10 if you're getting one that's like a little bit bigger or a lot bigger you're going to be paying a little bit more okay all right i would expect to pay more for one of the big ones yeah, like the big ones, like the freaking giant ones, are retail are about thirty bucks. And then there's got to be a tremendous resale market for these. I mean, there's got to be people who are putting these things up on eBay if they got a second one, or they're flipping them because Kaz talks a lot about sometimes he'll pick up a second one in case he wants to flip it down the line or whatever. Sometimes he'll pick up ones that he's not crazy about, but he thinks it might be valuable later, and he'll flip it and. Um, you know, I've actually learned a lot about Pops just from him kind of expressing his enthusiasm about him. And I'm always like, Kaz, don't bust my balls about the Steelbook talk because uh, I listen to you talk about Pops a, a lot, motherfucker. So you got to listen to me talk about Steelbooks for a minute. Uh, but I feel like I feel like um, there's a lot of like flippage that can happen with these things where somebody might buy it for 10 or 15 bucks and then a year later when it's hard to find – now they're putting it up on eBay and they're trying to get 80 bucks or 100 bucks or whatever. Is that the case or is that Sometimes, yeah. Um uh, there's a lot of people that will uh Rose calls them scalpers. Scalpers, so, that's exactly what they are, those motherfuckers. Yeah, so those people freaking suck. Like they're, they're pieces the of absolute shit. Absolute worst. <laughs> yeah, there's a play there's a special place in hell for those fuckers. Oh yeah. They do that um, with Steelbooks. Steelbooks I, are the same way. The Steelbook oh, is, yeah. I'm, I'm actually talking to you about the Pops. It's remarkable how, how similar our hobbies are because the the Steelbooks vary in terms of the difficulty to find. Sometimes, uh, sometimes Best Buy will make so many of these fucking things that they, they'll be selling them a year later at a discount. And then sometimes it's like, if you didn't pre-order, guess who's shit out of luck? You're not getting one. <laughs> like, it was crazy because the Captain Marvel's, they were like trying to sell the Captain Marvel 4K steelbooks for like 10 bucks, like nine months later after the steelbook came out. But Avengers Endgame, if you didn't buy that, I got that, I pre ordered it, of course, but then I picked it up like the day it was released and they didn't have none and they never got any more. It was like if you didn't get fucking Endgame when you got Endgame when, when it came out, sorry, Charlie, you fucking go online. Maybe you can find it for a hundred bucks on eBay or some shit, but you were shit out of luck. And that's. That's kind of nuts because it's a little annoying. I mean, I kind of feel like they should be at least available long enough to actually fucking purchase one. It doesn't make sense that you got to pre-order. They make you jump through all the hoops. I don't appreciate that. But also, it's also kind of cool to be like, fuck you, I got one. You know, <laughs> there's there's something satisfying in that. Yeah, Rose gets pretty lucky when uh, when he, I think he ended up getting Endgame on, uh, on 4K. Nice, hell yeah. So... But Rose also makes questionable decisions. Like he just sent me a picture, I want to say last week, and he bought of his balls that piece of shit uh, Fantastic Four movie that came out, or the newest one. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, I saw, and that's I tried like to watch the that on TV. third time he's bought it. <laughs> Why would he do that? Does he do drugs? <laughs> Rose makes bad decisions. <laughs> oh shit! Clearly, it's terrible. Yeah, I'm just like, dude, what in the hell are you doing? <laughs> and he's just like, I couldn't pass it up. It was like 10 bucks. And I'm like, you just wasted your 10 bucks on a shitty yeah, movie. Yeah, pass that shit up, dude. 10 bucks will get you uh, a couple McDoubles. I'm just saying. 
10 bucks take that 10 bucks to mcdonald's fuck up a mcflurry you know what i'm saying it's way it's gonna be way better than that fantastic four movie your heart your heart disease is gonna be way better hell yeah like i could well, have thank been you for a little letting bit me ask those burning yeah yeah if it was like the uh jessica alba fantastic four movies but yeah these yeah. new ones were shit yeah that new one was a piece of shit piece of shit terrible yeah anyway yeah, well i appreciate you i appreciate being able to pick your brain about the pops because i had, i had questions about it that i hadn't been able to ask yet so hell yeah yeah the hobby like rose just got caught in the middle he's between a rock and a hard place being a pop collector and a steelbook 4k collector that's tough that's like uh sophie's choice right there it's like which which of my babies do i want to give up and which of my babies do i want to keep you know what i'm saying that's terrible yeah he's been uh kind of holding back on his pop figure purchases because he's uh he's feel like like i think we brought it up earlier it's the market for funko it's just been like exclusives don't mean what they used to way back when these were when pop figures were new. Yeah. And so like an exclusive, it's just kind of like, Oh, it's just a difficulty to get it. So he's been kind of like going through his collection, kind of getting rid of stuff. He doesn't really want. Yeah. And just kind of moving solely to, to 4k. (laughs) Good for him. Good for him. He can meet me over there on the 4k land. Hell yeah. And then he sends me the digital codes for to use because I'm a cheap ass. <laughs> nice. That's nice of him. I like that's one thing I like about the Steelbooks is because they do, you know, you get the 4K disc so that when you're at home and you got your 4K player and you got your 4K television and your your sound set up and everything, you can enjoy the 4K as God intended. But you also get a code. So like if you're on an airplane or you're traveling or whatever, you got your iPad or your laptop, you can bust them out. And, um, you know, you've got an app on your iPad. The iPad makes it super easy because then, you know, you have your app that like Voodoo or whatever, wherever you re- redeem your movies. And then you can just easily pop it open and you've got your, your whole library at home. Your whole 4K library is available on your on your like tablet or whatever. And you can watch it on the go. You can watch it like... You know, everybody's crashed out, passed out in the hotel room or whatever, and you're like enjoying a few quiet minutes. You can watch your movie in bed. You know, I love that shit too. That's a major to me. That's like one of the huge appeals of buying these is that you also get a digital copy that you can then watch at your leisure wherever you travel. You can make it available to other family members who maybe aren't nearby that they can go in and watch your voodoo collection of films and stuff like that. Like, I'll be telling my my family, like, hey, I just uploaded Jaws in 4K to my Voodoo collection, and y'all can go watch it if you want to. So it's like I'm constantly providing them with entertainment as well, and so they can avail themselves of my selections too, which I like. Oh, yeah. I think last time I checked, I had 200-something movies on my nice. uh, my Voodoo app. I have a shit yeah. ton of movies. I think you owe Rose a couple of BJs for that. I'm just saying you ought to at least jerk them off for all them codes, man. I'm saying. Just reach around. Yeah, just give them a little, you know, give them a little. Then, you know, that's a good way to say thank you, my brother. 
Hell yeah. All right, well. Hell yeah. Let's see what we're, what was next. Because we've been talking about Blu-rays for, for a while. You want to talk about any of the ones that you picked up? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're already talking about it, so I might as well mention a few. Uh, the the last couple of months have been pretty good. I have picked up a few kind of new ones that were just released. I showed you the Ghost in the Shell one. This yeah, is, is the that 19- the, uh, the anime? This is the anime. This is the original. So the Ghost in the Shell has had a few different versions. There was, there was of course, the original anime film that was released in, like, 95, I think. And that was the original. They've made a few other anime. They did, like, I don't know. They did some other anime, maybe some sequels to this or whatever. And then they did, Scarlett Johansson did a live-action version that was a live-action remake of this. And I didn't think Scarlett Johansson's version was half bad. She caught a lot of shit for not being Asian and for playing a Japanese character. And I thought people needed to not bust her balls about that because, like, who gives a shit? It's a fucking cartoon movie where she plays an android with a Japanese name. Who gives a shit? But it's like the whitewashing thing is super popular, and SJWs just want to get all pissed off about that whole whitewashing thing. I think, fuck off. I didn't think the Scarlett Johansson version was half bad. I haven't seen the anime version since the 90s. I literally haven't watched this since... The, the year ended with nine and then something. I don't remember if it was 98 or whatever, but I haven't watched this movie since the 90s, but they released a beautiful, I mean, this fucking 4K, it's got like a slip cover on it, so you can see, like, you slip it off and you can see, like, the robot, like, what her face looked like, the Terminator, you know what I mean, when he, like, loses his skin and you can see the Terminator underneath. It's like she looks human. It's cyberpunk, which I think is a fucking fascinating genre. We're talking about cyberpunk, uh, Blade Runner, I think Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049. These are examples of like very popular, very well-known uh, cyberpunk genre of films. Ghost in the Shell falls into that, which I always love the aesthetics. I love the retro aesthetics of the cyberpunk genre. And I like that they can weave in some noir-ish um, filmmaking, like a visual style. Especially, You see that especially in, in like the Blade Runner films. Um, but Ghost in the Shell, I'm excited because my wife was like, hey, I've never really seen any anime. Do you, Show me some anime because she knows I like it okay. I don't really like anime that much, okay? Look, look I'm, a, I'm a cisgendered, heteronormative white male, all right? I don't like anime that much, okay? But a little bit of tentacle porn is just a thing you need late at night when you're having trouble sleeping. You know, get, get one out and then get to sleep. A little tentacle porn is good for you. And then there's a few classics such as Ghost in the Shell. I do own a few anime films. Ghost in the Shell is one of them. And some of the Studio Ghibli. So I did actually finally sit her down. I've actually, I should have brought those steel books over to show you because they've been releasing the Studio Ghibli in steelbook on Blu-ray. They just started in October releasing them and I've bought a few of them and she, I made her sit down and watch uh, Spirited Away was her very first anime she'd never seen. I figured that'd ease her in. I don't want to start her with Ninja Scroll where people are getting cut in half and sucking on titties and eating pussy and shit. I wanted to start her off. Like, let me start you off with something that's pretty close to Disney. It's very heartwarming. Nobody is cut in half. Nobody sucks on any pussy. Nobody slaps any titties. But then we can move. It's like sushi. Do you eat sushi? Oh, yeah. I freaking love sushi. When you first started eating sushi, what was your very first roll? Do you remember what the first one you had was? It was either a tuna roll or a salmon roll. Okay. Okay. See, I feel like with sushi, a lot of people are kind of weird about it when they've never had it. You love it. I love it. 
you and I have no problem eating sushi these days, but I feel like the first time you sit down to sushi, it's sort of like, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what I'm in for. Is this going to be weird? Is this going to be gross? Am I going to get sick? There's all this shit going through people's mind. So you start them off easy. Here's a little tuna roll. Ah, here's a little California roll. Look, this one's all cooked. It's got a little avocado, a little cooked crab. You got nothing to worry about. And then they eat it and they're like, oh, this is pretty good. And then they get more adventurous. And now you fast forward a year later and they're eating raw abalone asshole. They're like, I'll eat the <laughs> anus out of a fucking eel raw. I don't give a shit. Don't even clean it. I will suck the anus out of a starfish. I'll suck the starfish off a starfish. That's what, that's anime. So you start somebody off with a little studio Ghibli. People are like, Oh, I kind of like this. It's quirky. It's fun, but it's cute. It's lighthearted. You fall in love with the characters. Then fast forward a year and you're butt naked. You're pouring hot wax on your genitals while you're watching Ninja Scroll on a picture in picture while also watching La Blue Girl while some Poor high school chick is getting fucked by eight different tentacle dicks coming off of one dude. It's fucking amazing. But that's how I feel about anime. And Ghost in the Shell is a classic. And so I'm pretty excited about making my wife watch that one as a step up. We're going to escalate things a little with Ghost in the Shell. Next one I got to talk about is Goodfellas. This, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, I'm prepared to argue that this is the best film of all time. It's impeccably made. It's a beautiful film. It's got amazing imagery. It's got it's beautifully shot. The imagery evolves over the course of the film, as well as the the other aesthetics like the music. It's a movie that starts one way, and the 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 actual filmmaking style evolves as the movie goes. It's not just a, a storyline arc where kind of the cinematography remains the same and the musical style remains the same. The score remains the same over the course of the film. The film takes place, and it part of the arc is expressed with the visuals, the voiceover, the use of still frames, still shots. So it's a beautiful movie to watch. It's an engrossing film. I mean, everybody, a well-done mafia tale is hard to turn your eyes away from because of the intrigue of that life. There's that secrecy, that whole, like, the mafia is this secret closed uh, society that's trying to stay below uh, detection and stuff like that for so many decades. And then finally, you know, you get to sit down and you watch it, something like The Godfather, Goodfellas. They're very hard to look away from because you have that story. And then you also have like the the sort of that crime intrigue, the true crime when they're based on true stories like The Goodfellas is, is all based on true characters and real events. Um, it really is very compelling for all of those reasons. But let me show you the, the cover of this steel book again. Look at this generic piece of shit. Your, your listeners who are not able to see this should be happy because they don't have to look at this generic PS2-looking, low-budget, mafia-hitman game-looking cover. What, what about this says Goodfellas? It's a fucking red tie and a, and a fucking chin that vaguely looks like Robert De Niro's. But you know what? It's fucking generic as fuck. It's a piece of shit. Guess what's on the back? Hey, more generic bullshit. It's a mafia movie. So at some point in the movie, somebody drinks an alcoholic beverage, and it's a mafia movie. So at some point in the film, someone shoots a gun. Neither of these images on the front nor the back scream Goodfellas. It's generic mob shit. This could be on the back of any crime movie. This doesn't say Goodfellas. This just says, meh, somebody gets shot and uh, some characters drink some alcohol in the movie. What other fucking movie could that be? I don't know. Any of a thousand motherfucking gangster crime mafia films. This steelbook, 
I bought it because, you know, it's the only one they make and it's limited and it's 4K or whatever. I'm really hoping that in another couple of years they come up with something better. I've bitched to Best Buy online about this. It's a Best Buy exclusive. It's a fight. What the fuck? You got to open it up, right? First, you got to open it up. Then you got to take all three fucking discs out before you can actually see a good image. <laughs> Uh, that actually says Goodfellas because it's got the actors from the film like Joe Pesci, Ray Liotta. I mean, we're talking about a movie with iconic stars. Um, Paul Sorvino, uh, uh, um, uh, Ray Liotta, uh, Joe Pesci won an Academy Award for his portrayal in this film and you can't put him on the fucking cover? Fuck you. Robert De Niro, you can't put those four men on the fucking cover. You got to put them on the inside. I got to look at some stupid ass red tie that could be the cover of any fucking crime movie any fucking crime thriller it's a piece of shit they did a fucking lazy job it's not the reason why people buy steelbooks it's not the reason i started collecting steelbooks it's it really is unfortunate but i'm glad you gave me the opportunity to highlight that on your show because it really sucks the last one i want to mention because i do want to leave us plenty of time to talk about holly handcuffs is a personal favorite of mine have you seen better off dad i have not all right so we really we we are overdue for, for you to come on Shit Happens When You Party Naked. And now there's at least a couple of classics that you've never seen. You rectified yourself. When we talked about a year ago, you hadn't seen Big Trouble in Little China, but you went, you corrected yourself, and honestly, I commend you for that. Nothing but respect. So uh, FYE put out an exclusive. This is an FYE exclusive of Better Off Dead. This is a John Cusack 80s classic. I know this is a little bit before your time. Like I said, it's a little bit before my time. It's not like I went to see this in the theaters. This was released in 1985. I was like three or four years old when this came out, right? So um, this is a movie that I did catch up on later in the 90s. My mom actually gave me a copy of this movie for Christmas on VHS in like 1995 or 96. So at the time, the movie was only about 10 years old. And it's still, to my 15-year-old ass, it seemed like an old fucking movie. And I was like, Mom, why'd you? I mean, it was wasn't one of those things that I asked for for Christmas. She just, I don't know, she probably found it for four bucks and gave me a VHS copy. This was pre-DVD age, by the way. So I had a VHS copy of this movie. And I'm like, what the fuck crack is she smoking? But I watched this movie as a 15-year-old. I watched it with my two younger brothers. And in fact, I thought it was an incredible film. It was funny. It's super quirky. We're talking about uh, a, a guy who like, um, he imagines stuff a lot. He has these like sort of uh, mental sort of like daydreams or whatever we're talking about a hamburger patty that comes to life starts wailing on a guitar and rocking out to like 80s classic i think it was um i think it might have been van halen it was like a van halen song that a a, a fucking they do you use stop motion animation because they didn't have cg back then which makes it look even cheesier. And this hamburger patty comes to life and starts like jamming out on a miniature guitar. It's a really quirky movie. It's really quirky, but it's a fantastic film. And they did a really great job with the with the cover art of this uh, steelbook. I was very excited to pick that one up because it's it's a, a movie that actually means a lot to me because, like I said, my mom got it for me on a lark and I wound up watching it and fucking loving it. And I've loved it ever since. I've bought it. This is the third this is a third copy of the movie that I've owned. I bought it when it when they brought it over to DVD. Of course, I owned VHS. Thanks to mom, Grand Jan, uh, I owned it on VHS. Then I bought it on DVD in the early 2000s. And then this came out uh, late this year, FYE exclusive. So you guys, I think you can still pick it up at FYE. Better Off Dead, uh, incredible film. And uh, so this is the third time I've bought this fucking movie, but I can't wait to watch. My, my wife hasn't seen it either. So I tell you what, I'm going to make my wife watch it. 
If you watch it too, then the three of us can do an episode of Schweiping and we can talk all about Better Off Dad and classic 80s films that we love, John Cusack and other things. So I would like to formally invite you on my show. Let's try to work that out. Uh, maybe over the Christmas holiday, I can sit down with my wife and we can watch Better Off Dad on one of our days off or whatever. I can get her through the film. If you can get through the film, then we can reconvene in January, something like that, on a Thursday night such as this, and then we can we can sit down, the three of us, and we can hash that shit out and both of y'all can bust my balls. <laughs> Hell yeah. I so mean, those I are my new Blu-rays. I have disappointed with your recommendations yet, so... I would like to think that I do not make disappointing recommendations, including Holiday in Handcuffs, you know, to segue clumsily over to the film that we're supposed to talk about. This one was one that I actually reached out to you like three or four weeks ago, and I said, hey, do you want to do a Christmas episode, Christmas-themed? I love doing Christmas-themed podcasts. And I was like, let's watch a Christmas movie, but let's not make it one that everybody does. Everybody's going to do fucking Christmas Story. Everybody's going to do uh, Christmas Vacation. That's one of my top two favorites. Everyone's going to do Bad Santa. That's another one of my top two. Those are Christmas Vacation and Bad Santa are tied for my like two favorite Christmas movies. But I was like, let's do one that nobody's going to do, or at least very few other movie-centric podcasts are going to do fucking holiday in handcuffs. Boom, shakalaka. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, I think that will uh, move into the main event. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Time for the main event. Let's play game. Alrighty, before we get into the actual breakdown, uh, I did post a question of the week uh, this week, and we did get a few responses. Hell yeah. So I posted the question, someone kidnaps you to take on a holiday vacation with their family. How does it go? And I think I should have come up with something a little bit better because people seemed confused by it. <laughs> I guess they hadn't seen Holiday in Handcuffs. Yeah, I guess not. Uh, so starting off over on Twitter, we got a response from Cal and Jay at From the Bottom 504. Uh, they said it will be the best vacation they ever had if they bring me. Oh, so he's going to make it awesome for them. That's kind of what happens actually in this movie. That's sort of that's sort of what happens towards the end of Holiday and Handcuffs, right? I mean, he decides to kind of commit to the charade, you know, the the um Mario Lopez character decides to kind of commit to the charade and he's like, "Why the fuck not? I'm going to show her a really great holiday." So it'll hurt her that much more when when we <laughs> when the whole thing when they realize it's a fugazi and I never talk to you again, you know, it's, it's kind of like a cruel act of revenge, but he sort of leans into it. He's like, well, why don't I show this bitch a good time? This crazy bitch. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I, I thought. I'm like, well, yeah. Um, next up we got, what were they a response from? What were they thinking at WWTT podcast? Uh, they just asked if we were Sabrina fans, and I told him I absolutely am a Sabrina fan. <laughs> Hell yeah, Teenage Witch, man. Yeah, that's where I developed my crush for Melissa Joan Hart. So it wasn't watching Clarissa Explains It All? That show was before your time, too. That show was 91 to 94, something like that. There was It was a few years in the early 90s, you know, grunge days, Nirvana. Kurt Cobain was still alive, for Christ's sake. So that was... 
know, that was like an early 90s thing. Even I was too young to really kind of get into Clarissa Explains It All, but I do remember during those years being into Nickelodeon and seeing her on TV a lot. I didn't really know what the show was about, but uh, honestly, looking back, I kind of wish I'd watched it. I should have watched that shit when I was young enough to get away with it. Yeah, I was a bit sheltered growing up, so I wasn't allowed yeah. to watch a whole lot of TV. Like, I think I've said it multiple times. I wasn't allowed to watch SpongeBob when I was growing up. And Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so I, Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, was actually one of the shows that I was able to get away with watching. I see. Even though it was all about witchcraft? Yeah. So I don't know, like... I don't know like what the what the deal was with my parents <laughs> or with my uh. mom specifically. Um I mean I understand her not wanting me to watch something stupid, but I mean it's a yeah. it's a show for kids. Like yeah. come on. <laughs> so uh, what's ironic about Sabrina the Teenage Witch is that she's supposed to be a teenage witch, but the year that it started was 1996 and in that same year uh, Melissa Joan Hart actually turned 20. So like she wasn't a teenager for any part of filming Sabrina the Teenage Witch for seven seasons. She was like in her 20s the entire time. So she wasn't a teenage witch at all. She just played one on TV. Damn. She was neither teenage nor a witch, but I would still like to slap box them titties. <laughs> 90s. Melissa Joan Hart, I'm telling you, I would like to pull out this crook-ended hobnailed, knobbly, sweet potato-looking penis and reroute the insides of her uterus with that thing, baby. You know what I'm saying? I would like to I would like to repave the highway of her insides. Now I'm saying? They freaking get I had a time train. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Hell yeah. Moving over to Instagram, we got a response from our Good friends, Crash and Taz over at Crash and Taz's Movie Cellar. Okay, cool. Uh, they said, I mean, if they're kidnapping me, I'm guessing it's against my will, so probably bad. Unless it's for the sole purpose of me having a good time, then I guess good, but they won't have an easy time taking me. So he sounds very wishy-washy. He's like, I guess it's going to go bad, unless... They jerk me off while I'm tied up, in which case I might enjoy it, so maybe it'll go well. If they've kidnapped me for the purposes of, of, of sexually gratifying me specifically, then I suppose I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could go either way. It just depends how you, how you handle that situation. <laughs> yeah, I think you just got to say, look, if you're going to kidnap me, can you at least jerk me off? Can we at least... Can I at least work it out so I ejaculate as part of this kidnapping? I think it's fair. You're going to kidnap me. You can at least jack me off. Yeah. That would be more than fair. <laughs> I think a so, good, too. A good way to make up for the inconvenience or the plans that you have to cancel. <laughs> or just kind of let let go. Yeah. Um. Next up, we got the Dynamic Duel. At Dynamic Duel Podcast, they said, someone is pretty vague. I'm guessing I'd have a better idea if I knew who was doing the kidnapping. Yeah. Do you feel like the kidnapping goes better if it's like a younger 
Melissa Joan Hart. I think Melissa Joan Hart was just over 30, given that I just did the math on her being 20 in 1996. That means she turned 30 in 2006. This film was released in 07 for the holidays. So she's 31. That's a young-ish Melissa Joan Hart. Certainly younger than she is now. She's 45 now. But a young-ish Melissa Joan Hart. I'm thinking, do you respond better to her kidnapping you versus like some smelly Czechoslovakian Eastern Promises gang members with tattoos on their knuckles? Because I'm shitting myself if they kidnap me. They're going to cut me into pieces while I'm still alive. Whereas Melissa Joan Hart, I don't know, she might wind up going crazy and murdering me, but she's probably not going to snip all my toes off first. Yeah. I mean... Melissa Jones and she got them titties. Got them titties. I think, which is a little as long as Melissa Joan Hart isn't handling an old musket, I think I'd be fine with Melissa Joan Hart at any age. (laughs) But but much like me, much like me, in the bedroom. She only's got one shot with that musket. Once you pop off, you're done. You know what I'm saying? Like, you you don't have another shot in there. You ain't got nothing else chambered. You're done. You got to take a nap, eat a sandwich. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not, you don't got another one in there. You got to, like, reload that musket and shit. I kind of feel like that was a one and done kind of thing. As soon as she blew out the, the seat right in front of his testicles, he should have been like, all right, it's over. I know you don't got any more bullets in there. Yeah. Well, hell, isn't that the whole reason, or wouldn't it help with your uh, blue chew stuff? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it would. It would help you like uh, achieve and maintain that erection. Blue chew, uh, party naked, you know. Y'all can get some erections. I'm selling erections out there. You know, it's hard out there for a pimp. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of hard out there for a pimp. Hell yeah! And then. The last response that we got is from my dear wife uh, at Mrs. Queen Bee. Uh, she says, if you define kidnapping by forcing someone against their will to another location, yeah. wasn't every time we made each other go to a family function considered kidnapping? <laughs> so she's saying that you're you're kind of already been there been there done that and um you know it's just part of the deal of being married like that's just marriage i think that she's probably right about that actually i think there's maybe even something sage like about her her words her her sentiment because you know a lot of a lot of what happens in human relationships particularly long term ones like marriages you know you're navigating this relationship that does involve back and forth, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours kind of deal where it's like, I may not be perfectly thrilled about every single thing my wife might want me to do. Um, but we work with each other. She might not be thrilled. Like if she, she comes down and sees this fucking stack, this mean stack of steel books, <laughs> she's going to be like, fuck you. But she also understands that, you know, she's got to look, hey, he buys a steel book now and again. I got to pretend to be happy for him. I'll watch the movie with him. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, um, you know, maybe she did kidnap you to take you to meet her, her parents the first time or go to the family reunion or something like that. But the same thing happens when it's like, well, now we're going to go visit my family in Atlanta. Am I, am I kidnapping my wife and daughter for two weeks in late December because we're going to drive down to Atlanta and go visit my family? I don't know. Maybe it's it could be. I mean. I, I kind of do think it has to be against your will for it to be kidnapping. If it's willful, then you're just going on a little trip together. 
So it's got to be forcible. It has to be a gunpoint or a knife point or like some kind of coercion. You really got to lean into the person like, I'm going to fire you and I'm going to ruin your whole life if you don't fucking get in the car right now. Lock them in the trunk for bonus points, you know. I think what I would try to do, though, to answer to answer our own question, what I would try to do, if I'm getting kidnapped, uh, it's against my will, but I think if they're successful in kidnapping me, I mean, if they do manage to, like, drug me or, like, point a gun at my head and they do manage to get me kidnapped, we get past that whole initial resistance part, I think I'm going to do what Mario Lopez eventually did in this film, which is to say, I'm just going to try to roll with it. Like you're in a bad situation. It's not a situation that you want to be in, but presumably they, they're kidnapping you instead of just outright like murdering you in the back of their car. So the, theoretically, there will be an end to the kidnapping. They will eventually release you. And as long as they're not like viciously sodomizing you and like, uh, you don't wake up chained to a radiator with like a saw and you got to like saw your way out, like saw yourself apart and and they're not like sodomizing you with like uh, broken glass in your anus or something like as long as they're not like physically di disfiguring your genitalia and cutting your nipples off and feeding them to you and just doing in general like really violent shit. If it's just like, hey, don't leave or I'll blow your fucking head off. But as long as you're here, let's drink some eggnog with whiskey, hold the eggnog. Okay, we're going to have as much fun as we can have this christmas it may not be my ideal christmas what i had planned but look let's have fun with it and as long as you're feeding me drugs and alcohol i'll try to make the best of it yeah and i think that's going to be my i'm going to try to have fun and i'm going to try to show them a good time and i'm going to try to party hard with them so they'll let me go i'll be like hey i'm on your side now let's go kidnap somebody else let's keep this kidnapping thing going and then you know try to escape or shoot them in the back of the head when i get a chance <laughs> You know, like break their neck like an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where the guy's just standing there and then you just see Arnold's hand, just like, you know, and the guy's neck is just broken and he flops like a, a rag doll. I would try to do that shit. I'd try to pull that Arnold shit off and be like, get to the chopper. You know, I'd try to say something like Arnold afterward, like, it's not a tumor. I am the party pooper. You know, something like that after breaking his neck. Yeah, in situations like that, you just kind of got... You got to make the best of <laughs> the situations you're put into. Yeah. So. Word, for sure. Yeah. So thank you, everyone, that answered our question of the week. We really appreciate hearing from you guys. We do. We love hearing from you guys. Yeah. So with that, we can get into the actual breakdown of Holiday and Handcuffs. Hell yeah. Yeah. So if you are new to our breakdown system, we have split movies into eight different categories that we individually grade to come to a final all bros and shit happens when you party naked letter grade. Hell yeah. Yeah. So the eight categories that we score are story, writing, acting, character development, effects, music, costumes, and then at the end we give it our own personal grade. And then that gives us all the information that we need to come to our final score. Um, so, unfortunately, with Rose not being here, he is not able to read off the synopsis. So, it's going to be reading with Caleb time. <laughs> nice. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, if you've not seen this movie, um, go check it out. It's on Freeform. Do it. And I'm about to spoil the entire damn movie for you, so... Yeah, so push pause. You guys know, if you're an All Bros listener, you know 
We're going to talk about movies in depth. This is not a spoiler-free show. Plus, this movie's been out since 2007, as I previously mentioned. You've had 13 motherfucking years to watch this fucking movie. Go do it right now. Push pause. Go watch it. Come back. Listen to us. Or forever hold your peace, motherfucker. Yeah. All right. So, get into the plot. Trudy is an inspire or is an inspiring painter, aspiring painter. Sorry, freaking hell, this is hard. I should. <laughs> I, feel, I start to feel with Phil for Rose. <laughs> is an aspiring painter working as a restaurant waitress with the pressure to please her parents. Uh, to. Jeez, these parentheses are in weird places. With the pressure to please her parents, she misses a job interview and gets dumped by her boyfriend just before Christmas, and she has a nervous breakdown. Stressed about going home for the holidays without a boyfriend, she kidnaps David Martin, a random customer at the restaurant in which she works and introduces him to her parents as her boyfriend, Nick. Trudy's family is vacationing at a very isolated log cabin miles away from anyone else, so David is unable to escape, although he makes several attempts. He finally decides to play along until the police come, but he ultimately falls in love with Trudy and understands the family pressure that made her feel forced to kidnap him in the first place. Uh, during Christmas dinner, the holiday comes to an abrupt end when Trudy's parents begin to fight. Her brother Jake announces that he is gay, and her sister Katie says that she has quit law school and bought a Pilates studio with her parents' tuition money. Yo, by the way, that Pilates instructor sister is fucking smoking, too. I'm like, hey, start your fucking yoga studio, girl. I want to see that. I would attend her yoga studio just to see her in them yoga pants because shit. Oh, son. Girl looking good. God damn. Yeah, I... Yeah, when she was doing her stretches, I was just like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, well, I didn't think I was going to masturbate to this movie again, <laughs> but I guess two times, three times, four times. Okay, how many times am I going to jack off during holiday handcuffs? The answer is seven, y'all. <laughs> seven. I'm pounding off every eight and a half minutes in that movie. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty good rate if you can pull that off. <laughs> well, it, it sucks because then I have to pull. I have to pause the movie. I have to go sleep for an hour, and I have to have a sandwich because you know I'm not getting multiples. I'm old now, you know. I'm not getting multiples back to back. It's not like the '90s when you know 1996. I could crank them, crank them, crank them, crank them, crank them. You know, like like fucking Model T's coming off the assembly line, right? Just ha like Henry Ford was in charge of my balls, and I was just like nut, nut, nut. Not they were just coming off the assembly line. Now it's like some like craft. Everything is like one off and bespoke. We're carving this shit out of wood. You'll get it like six weeks after you order it type of deals. Cause it's like nut. All right, time for a nap. Eat a meatball sub. Come back. All right, it's been three days. You get another nut. Boom. There you go. Here you go. You know it's not the way it used to be. So it did take me a while to get to this movie. Masturbating as frequently as I did, but you know, I mean, what can I say? It's a good movie. Yeah, I'm like half hour break and I need to finish a Gatorade. <laughs> then I'm good to go. <laughs> oh, you still on that time. Shit, son. You're young and virile. Forgot about that. You're still making more babies. I like it. I like it. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Where was I? Oh, the police then arrive and arrest the family during Christmas dinner, revealing that David Martin is not actually Trudy's boyfriend. Before he was kidnapped, kidnapped David had a successful job and a beautiful, rich girlfriend. However, during his time with Trudy and her family, he realizes his life has developed into something he did not intend. After the family is released, except Grandma Dolores because she tried resisting arrest, when David decides not to press charges, Trudy does not see or hear from David for a few months, but sees his engagement announcement in the newspaper. Trudy is invited to show her art at a local gallery and is stunned to see one of her pieces is being sold during the show. As she is leaving the show, she is kidnapped and taken to a nearby building. Her kidnapper turns out to be David. He tells her he bought this building and is making it into an architecture art studio. He decided to turn his life around and do something he really loves, owning his own architecture business. His business also includes an art studio, and his first art piece is Trudy's painting, which he purchased. David admits his love for Trudy, and Trudy admits her feelings towards him as well. They share a kiss as the credits start to roll. It's a beautiful story. I don't know. Who's not a sucker for a love story? You know, I, everybody loves a good romantic comedy. I, it doesn't have a tragic ending. I don't need to watch fucking Old Rose recount how uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's characters corpse sunk to the bottom of the frigid atlantic ocean i mean fuck all that who wants to end a movie like a bummer I, w I want a nice i want a romantic comedy where i can laugh and then i can feel good about everything at the end you know what i mean yeah that's, that's the, the beauty of it i think that's the charm of a lot of these hallmark movies like they're yeah. just like feel good like you know yeah like you can honestly just like look at the the title of the movie and kind of know how everything's going to play out. And so with Christmas, that's kind of all you want. <laughs> yeah, no, what you said is perfect. You just took the, the words right out of my mouth because I feel like I made a list. Part of my two pages of notes that I told you about, I made a list of what you can love about this movie. I made a list of just things because people who are listening to this, who maybe didn't take our advice and watch the movie who need to be sold a little bit. I have this huge list of things that you're going to love or that if you have seen the movie that maybe you do love and you're going to agree with me about this movie. But one of the things I love, it's the, actually the first thing on my list is that, uh, this is, um, a made for TV movie. This movie was released in 2007. It did not go to the theaters. This did not go straight to DVD. It went, straight to ABC Family. It premiered, and keep that in mind, people, as you listen to the, the words I'm about to say. This movie premiered on ABC Family, of all places, because we're going to talk about some of the adult humor in this movie in a second. It premiered on ABC Family in 2007, and it is the most watched ABC movie, ABC Family, uh, like, direct-to-TV movie, right? It was the most watched one. It was it was gangbuster successful. People loved this movie. It got like millions of views in its first premiere or whatever and uh, did really, really, it performed really, really well for made-for-TV movie. But what, what you were just saying, it's a Christmas movie. Christmas movies are the best genre for a made-to-TV movie. You don't want to see a made-for-TV superhero film. You don't want to see a made-for-TV action movie. But... A Christmas movie is perfect because you don't need the kind of special effects budget. You don't need 
crazy, you know, um, on location filming in Czechoslovakia and China and Africa and Antarctica. You, you, you've got what you need. They can be set in a small town. I mean, this one, 90% of the movie happens in one little cabin and right outside the cabin. So in terms of like logistics of filmmaking, it's easy to do. You can do it on a shoestring budget. You don't need A-list actors. I mean, Mario Lopez and Melissa Joan Hart are amazing, but they're not A-list actors and never have been, but they're still, they're charismatic and we love them. That's one thing to love about this movie is that it's the perfect type of movie for a made-to-TV film, and it works. I mean, it, this movie is stupid, but it works. I mean, the story is ridiculous. Everything that you just said about the synopsis is just, how on earth does that happen? None of this happens. As long as you can suspend your disbelief, it's a fun movie with some pretty charming actors that, that play these kind of quirky, if not a little sort of stereotypical. I saw it coming, but it's still, it's like a Christmas classic you've seen uh, all your favorite Christmas movies, but you watch them every year. You know what's going to happen. You've seen it 20 times. Or your favorite your favorite food to eat, your favorite holiday meal. You've had it every Thanksgiving or every Christmas for your entire life for 30 years or more, but you still, it's like, this still feels good. You know what I mean? It still, it feels right. And I think that's that's this type of movie, the type of Christmas film, even if it plays into some of these like tropes that you've come to expect from Christmas movies. You know that it's a romantic comedy. It's going to have this happy ending, but it's still, it's like, it's a, it's a comfort meal. You know what I mean? It's, it's like sweet potato casserole. It's a movie version of sweet potato casserole. You've had it a million times, but it's still delicious. Yeah. The budget is actually a lot lower than I thought it was going to be. Um, so the estimated budget was 5 million on this. Okay. Yeah, that's not very much, but I mean, again, I mean, how much do you go to give Melissa Joan Hart and Mario Lopez, and then, you know, how much does it cost to film around a, a cabin in a cabin and 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 outside of a cabin, and they don't have any special effects shots. There's no, there's nothing that they need to, you know, do any post uh, digital work on or anything like that. So it's a good. I mean, this is a movie that honestly, you could make this film. Anybody could make this. This is a the type of film that could be made independently. You could shoot this fucking thing on an iPhone. The iPhone shoots, the new iPhone 12 shoots 4K at 60 frames per second. You could easily, with a couple of iPhones and a little bit of, of uh, video editing software and maybe some decent boom mics and stuff like that, obviously, to pick up the audio. I mean, you could make a movie like this on a shoestring budget. The fact that it cost them $5 million was really... I mean, that was probably to give a little bit of dough to Melissa Joan Hart and give a little dough to to um, uh, Mario Lopez and then have a little leftover for the cast and crew and directors and, and stuff like that. But it wasn't, this was not a, a movie that would have been all that costly to make. I mean, you could do you could do this film again for nothing, practically. No, yeah, easily. You could easily do that. And... Yeah, I'm I'm willing to bet that Melissa Joan Hart and Mario Lopez were the biggest expense on this movie. For sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and I think yeah. just like well, you you were mentioning the story before we get too far from the story. Um, just like all of the great films, you know this this movie began in media res, which is uh, Latin for like in the middle of the story. Um, just like uh, a lot of the great films start where they, they kind of start in the middle of the story. They show you some of the action and then they go back to like uh, two days earlier and then they, the movie actually kind of starts and it catches you up. 
but they like sometimes they like to start with some inciting incident that that actually occurs a little way into the story, but they like they want to show you that to kind of hook you. And all of the great films start that way. Goodfellas, as I previously mentioned, starts that way. Citizen Kane, and now Holiday and Handcuffs. Again, all of the great films begin in media rests like that. So it's a great way to start the movie and get you hooked. Yeah. Probably, I mean, had I been making this movie, that's probably not the clip that I would have gone with. I probably would have gone with her grabbing the gun and holding him at gunpoint. Just so you're just like, oh. (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, I think, like, the, the... point that they went to or they started on was a little like it it wasn't like as exciting as previous points yeah the 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 nice thing about the opening is it didn't make it immediately clear that she had kidnapped him like obviously that it's called holiday in handcuffs but if you were watching this for the first time and the movie had just premiered you wouldn't necessarily know the content of the film and what was coming up so you see the beginning and you're thinking, well, maybe they just had a fight and he's like gone for a walk or something like that. And it's the holidays and there's, you know, there's stress and stuff like that. And you've been cooped up and you get a little, you know, you get a little of that stir craziness. And so maybe they are like a couple and, and, um, you know, he, they, they just got into an argument about something or whatever. And he was just going to go take a walk and she was driving to catch up with him. Maybe like by way of apology, like, Hey, hop in the car. And then he delivers that line where he's like, you know, you're a sick, whatever, whatever his line was that, you know, you get kind of this indication like, well, maybe they're not a couple. Cause that seems awfully you know, like kind of uh, a lot of animosity. So <laughs> I think in that regard, maybe they wanted to like bait us in by thinking well it's just you know this is a couple thing and this is a romantic comedy so they're probably a couple but they're having this thing then he delivers this line about how sick and twisted she is and you're just like what's what what is really going on here and then they they take you back to earlier that day you know 24 hours earlier or whatever they do and then you start out and you're like oh shit she's kind of at the end of a rope and she's dating this other guy who dumped her and then now she's kidnapping this Mario Lopez character who looks he's way more handsome than her the, the first guy that dumped her the real Nick dude he didn't he's not even cute what the fuck are you doing come on Mario Lopez you can't do much better than Mario Lopez doesn't get much better than that he's cute he's got the dimples perfect hair nice brown skin beautiful forget about it yeah in this movie he was jacked too <laughs> Yeah, this was this was Mario Lopez 13 years ago. This is like young 30-year-old Vero Mario Lopez. He's a little older now, you know, you testosterone natural testosterone uh levels go down a little bit, you know. That's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. Um overall, I think this the story flowed really well. Like it keeps you really well engaged. I think and yeah, it's for sure. it just it keeps moving. I think there were maybe like a few slow points, not very many, but just a couple yeah. here and there. Um, just like most Christmas movies have, I feel. Yeah. But I, I think so too. I mean, overall, like looking at it with like a critiqueful eye, I'm not hating it. Like I'm probably yeah, not I mean, in the I'm not quite in the eighties. I think I'm in the high seventies though. Okay. So I think um like with regard to the story, I mean, I think you can ding it by saying like the, the, the cons are that 
It's not like groundbreaking. It's not like something you've never seen before. They don't really take a lot of risks with it. It's kind of uh, predictable. It follows this sort of genre, um, this like romantic comedy kind of uh, genre. Like it follows the steps, right? It's sort of like a paint by numbers. So that would be a ding. But I actually don't think that's a total ding because sometimes people want something that's kind of predictable. It's the reason why people still eat it Subway. I mean, Subway is shit, but people eat there because you know the menu. McDonald's. I mean, if you're in a new town, you go traveling. I mean, you're like me. You you, you like food. You want to you wanna go eat at a, a new restaurant that features like a local cuisine. I want to go eat some fresh seafood, lobster while I'm up in New England or something like that. Um, but a lot of folks don't. They don't want to take a risk, so they want to go with something that they know. Even if McDonald's is not the best food, it may not be their favorite food, but they go to McDonald's. My in-laws, my wife's parents, they're crazy about Denny's, okay? And it's not because they love Denny's. They would never go to Denny's if we're in our own town. They're never like, let's drive to the Denny's. Whenever we're out of town, if we travel with them, they want to go to Denny's because they don't trust the other restaurants in the area. They don't know the food. They want to eat somewhere where they know the menu, they know the food, they know what they're going to get. And I think that's what you can say about a genre film like this, a romantic comedy that's a made-for-TV Christmas movie. You know every fucking beat that they're going to show you. But it's okay. You don't necessarily need to be surprised as long as they do the things well. And that's the that's the pro that I'll give this movie. I'll say that they do the things that you expect them to do pretty well. They pull it, they pull it together pretty well. They tell a cute story. The, uh, the, the, the plot is funny enough, but it doesn't go too far off the rails because it's ABC Family and it's a Christmas movie. So they got to kind of keep it in, but they still, I mean, like I, there's, a, there's some, a few parts. I collected a few of the like more adult humor parts that I want to I wanna highlight for our audience in a second whenever you want. Um, but they they do a really good job of like their delivery. It's not that they came up with something new, but they did deliver on sort of the promise of what a made-for-TV romantic comedy Christmas film should be. So I think, you know, in terms of story, I'm pretty generous here. I'm going to put them in the 90s. I got to put them like 92 for the story just because I think they did it well. I think they did it right. Maybe they lose a couple of points for it not being like wholly original, but again, I think there's some comfort in that. I think it's like uh, I don't know, it's like an old sweater that you love that you like to wear in the in the mornings on Christmas morning. I mean, you know, mom's cooking on Christmas morning or something. We eat the same shit every Christmas morning. My whole fucking life. I'm 39 years old. I've eaten the same breakfast every Christmas morning my whole fucking life. But it's delicious and I love it and I only eat it on Christmas morning and my mom makes it and there's just something you know, comforting and wholesome about that. And you just feel the love. You know what I'm saying? This movie is, that's an analogy for kind of the way this movie works. So I, I was generous with the story. I think they did good. Yeah. So I I think I was, I was going to give it a 77 overall. Like not, it wasn't bad. It was, it's enjoyable. It's just looking at it with a more critiqueful eye. I, I, I think I'm, I'm being a little more harsh on it than you are. Yeah. Um, so averaging that out, that comes to an 84 and a half for story. Okay. I think that's, I think that's pretty decent for, uh, for holiday handcuffs. Yeah. Um, moving on to writing. Um, I didn't hate the writing in this. I think there was, uh, 
the dialogue between Melissa and Mario, I think that was the strongest uh, writing. Yeah. They had good chemistry, and I think their dialogue to each other was pretty well written. Yeah, I think it was everyone outside of them that had some not super good writing. <laughs> yeah. And I think it goes the same with acting. I think like the the secondary outside characters were kind of shitty. Yeah. Like the one that stood out the yeah. most to me was the uh the front desk lady when she was going f- for that interview. Oh. She would Yeah. Yeah, the uh Yeah. Phew, that lady Karen. was like a bitch right off the bat. Like couldn't you just be like, "Yo, I got to do a car accident on my way here." It couldn't be avoided. I got hit. My car got wrecked. I'm sorry I'm late, but I feel like you'd get a little leeway. Like, even if he's busy now, but let's reschedule. Let's see if we can pencil something in. It's not like you got high on crack and missed a job interview. You got into a wreck on your way to a job interview. That's kind of a legitimate thing. Like, if someone hits you, just say, look, I'm sorry. I got hit on my way here, and I had to wait for the cop to get there and write the guy a ticket and blah, blah, blah. I mean, anybody who's ever been in a car wreck would understand, I think. So, I mean, I think with the with the writing, I think it, it weaves in with the story so much that, like, I think uh, as far as the, the story goes, I mean, that's an aspect of the writing I think they did a pretty good job with. But, the, like you said, the dialogue wasn't always wonderful there were a few lines that i thought maybe didn't they wasn't the best dialogue it didn't do the most for the characters um and like i said i think the principals the people who deliver the most dialogue were the most fun and so that was good but um you know some of the dialogue i would have i would have liked to have seen be a little bit more naturalistic and i think given this the scenario the concept of the of the movie that they're asking us to accept which is that this guy has been kidnapped um, forced against his will to spend the holidays with this lady, I think, you know, for for the dialogue to has been as have been as clean as it was, you know, you could tell they they cleaned the dialogue up for 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 um for ABC Family at the very beginning of the movie when the mom calls Trudy, Trudy's like, oh crap, and and the mom like gives her a hard time for saying crap, but I'm like, you know, come on, like, crap is pretty a pretty soft swear word i mean coming as a guy who says um fuck in front of his own mother and my mom hates i mean my mom doesn't watch shit happens when you party naked and she doesn't listen to my podcast because i swear she doesn't like the swears but still if i said fuck if i said titty fuck um if i said come guzzling titty fucker in front of my mom then she'd be like oh god jason okay that's too much but crap my mom's not gonna bat an eyelash and so it's some of that stuff where it's like they need to write this relationship where the mom is overbearing and she needs to be overbearing from the get-go. The very first thing she says to Trudy is, come on, don't use that kind of language. The very first thing she's doing, it's their very first interaction in the film, the very first line, she's correcting Trudy's uh, sort of maybe, um, you can you can tell they're characterizing Trudy as a little bit outside the lines, right? She's not prim and proper. Um, she's not a bad person either, but you can tell she's, she doesn't have her shit together. So she she uses more coarse language. But if they hadn't been on ABC Family, I think they could have written the dialogue a little bit up to like a PG-13 level. And they could have gotten away, away with her saying shit or something like that on the phone, which would sound a little bit more naturalistic for the mom to then come down with this dialogue like, hey, you shouldn't be 
Um, you know, shouldn't be talking like that or whatever. It's Christmas. Don't come on with the swear words. Cause you know, you need to set that relationship up like that. That's the dynamic of the film. The film's not believable if the parents aren't overbearing on Trudy and really push her to the extreme of kidnapping this guy. So you, you need that aspect of the relationship there, but then with them writing for ABC family and having to kind of bring it down a little bit in, in terms of language to make it suitable for ABC family, um, it makes the dialogue kind of like, Oh, is this, this isn't naturalistic. This wouldn't, wouldn't happen in real life. I don't think any like secular parent, like she's not a nun, the, the mom's she's raised three pretty normal kids that, you know, uh, drink and fuck around and do all the shit. They're, they're like normal human beings. They're not like Jehovah's witnesses. You would think that the, the, the mom wouldn't really object so much to the crap word. Uh, so, I mean, you're right that some of the dialogue is not perfect, but I think, Unfortunately, that's sort of because they made the movie for TV and they had to dial it into this sort of like, we, we're not going to make it G-rated, it's not the Grinch, but at the same time, it's ABC Family, we're going to be showing it at 8 p.m. on a Sunday night. There might be still like a few 8-year-olds and 10-year-olds around in the room, so they're they're keeping that in mind when they write it, and so it's not... It's not the best dialogue in the world. It could have been funnier. They could have punched up the the comedic element with some more, uh, like a little bit more, like, um, what am I trying to say? Like a little bit more, like if the lines were a little bit more sharp, maybe a little bit more, yeah, they wouldn't be as appropriate, but they'd be a little bit more, they'd burn a little bit more, they'd sting a little bit more, and they would have a little bit more like zing to them. And as an audience member, as an adult, we might find that a little bit more entertaining, but so, yeah, I mean, I, I would probably ding the writing a little bit there. I'm with you there. Yeah. I, I think the, um, uh, she got corrected for saying crap growing up in Utah and having yeah. a, uh, a girlfriend growing up, I got corrected at their, at her house once yeah. for saying crap yeah. by her parents were she's like they just said oh uh we don't talk like that in here and i'm like oh say, yeah. what did i say because <laughs> i thought i said like shit or something and she's yeah. just like we don't say the that c word and i'm like what <laughs> we don't say the c word and you're like oh my god did i say thunder cunt oh my god i didn't mean to say thunder cunt i'm so sorry for saying thunder cunt you know what i mean and you're like not that c word like what c word yeah and she what did i say <laughs> <laughs> i was just like like it went on for a lot longer than it needed to like that whole conversation i'm just like what did i say and then i no. i like my girlfriend had to take me to the side she's like you said crap and i'm like what <laughs> i'm like yeah. my mom doesn't let me watch spongebob but she lets me say crap <laughs> yeah yeah that's a tough one that's a tough one yeah so i mean i think there's a lot can i help you <laughs> sorry my wife just came in here saying that i shouldn't be, she doesn't like that i'm talking about <laughs> ex-girlfriend <laughs> oh yeah you, she just said uh like i'm the only girl you should be talking about <laughs> uh, hey my wife is like that too she comes down here and i'm like i was a virgin before i met you don't worry yeah anyway what was i getting at <laughs> We're talking. We're talking writing. We were talking about the writing of the movie. I think they did an okay job. Craft. I mean, crafting the story with the writing. I think the dialogue was the weak link. But uh, otherwise, you know, I think they did an all right job there. Yeah, I think I'm gonna give it like for 
my side. I think I'm going to give it a little lower than I gave the story. I think I gave the story a 77. I think I'm going to go down to like a 74, maybe 73. Mm. So what are you thinking? I'm going to give the writing an 85. I think the writing supports the story so much that it's very hard for me to, it's hard for me to separate those two completely. So I'm going to say that the writing was pretty strong because it, it created a strong story and um, you know, the dialogue wasn't perfect, but I'll, I can overlook that because I understand the reason why they kind of crafted the dialogue in the way that they did. So I'm going to give them a little leeway. Again, it's a made for TV product. So I have to, I have to keep in mind, you know, what, uh, you know, that it, it's, it's serving who it was made for. It's doing what it was intended to do. So I'm going to give them a little leeway there. They didn't, they didn't try something and fail. So maybe they lose a little points for staying safe, but then, you know, they, they, I think they gain a little credit in my eyes for not being, you know, not, um, not totally fucking it up either. Cause it was still a pretty enjoyable story with enjoyable interactions between, uh, the characters and particularly the, the main characters. So, right. I think one thing that like kind of threw me was the, like the, that kind of language that they corrected. Cause they, like you said, she said crap instead of she could have said shit. They censored bitch, but I think there was like a few other things that they, uh, yeah, they sort of self-censored bitch. I think, right? Yeah. So it was the the one where uh, she left the space open for the guy to turn, and then she like motions him to come, yeah. and so he like starts to turn, and then he gets uh, hit. <laughs> And then yeah, he's like, and he, you, and then it, like, beeps, like his horn. Yeah, like the horn. Yeah, yeah. So they, they sort of self-censored. He's like, you bit, and then the horn honks, yeah. Yeah, and it, there's just, like, like, I thought that was funny that they censored that, but they didn't censor some other things. Like, I think, doesn't, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure or Trudy's character or it's either her brother or someone calls their sister a slut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in fact that that's one of the things that I did want to couple of the things about this movie that really kind of stick out from a critical and analytical standpoint. Uh but yes, the sister th- this film, one of the things that I wanted to mention about this film is like and I guess this is now as good a time as any because we're talking about the story, we're talking about the writing, et cetera. But like, it's obvious that one of the this movie really only works. The premise of this movie really only works because of the intense pressure that these parents put on their kids, namely Trudy, because she's the the main character. But we see it with the other characters as well. They have very high expectations for their kids, and so um, these kids are all afraid to kind of be honest and real with their parents because they're worried about how their parents will react. And it's really, honestly, on the one hand, it seems kind of over the top, but it is over the top. It's it's a movie. It's hyperbole. It's supposed to be a little over the top to make a point, but it's very relatable for pretty much everybody except for Bruce Wayne. I mean, we all know, like <laughs> all of us except old Bruce Wayne, we know like how it feels to have parents that have expectations for us. And then like the feeling of disappointing your parents possibly. I mean, that's, that's not a good feeling. And typically like, so for me, it's very relatable to watch. Cause it's like those times that you've, something's happened, something bad, or you've done something bad, or, you know, you get arrested or some shit and then your parents find out and it's like, you know, you, you, you have to deal with that. You have to face that, that, 
that um, disappointing. The people who have raised you since you're a baby that that you know you love more than anybody else in the whole world, but then you do have this sort of kind of push pull relationship with them because maybe their expectations aren't exactly what you want, and so it's very very relatable. So I, I give them credit for some of that, but it's funny how that manifests itself in in the two female and the two daughters because it's kind of misogynistic like Trudy very much believes that her value to her family the value she provides is based completely around her having a man it doesn't have anything to do with her artwork in fact her artwork's really not mentioned till later in the film the only way you know that she's an artist at the beginning of the movie is because her loft has paintings in it that are on easels so it's obvious that she's the one making the paintings they're not like hung on the wall but it's in the background. She doesn't interact with them. You have to actually be paying attention to notice that she's a painter. But it's very, it's funny that her family, her mom, her dad, they're all about, do you, where's, your, where's your boyfriend? Is he the one? Is he going to be the one to uh, marry you? Are you going to have kids? And she even says at one point in the diner as she's working, just before she gets dumped, um, she's like, I have nothing to, this is exactly what she says verbatim. She says, she says, I have nothing to offer these people. No husband, no grandchildren. My dad already thinks I'm a lesbian. So the whole thing is she's feeling browbeaten about not having a man. She needs a man in her life to provide, to prove her value to her family. So it's kind of a misogynistic premise in that a woman's value, our main character, who's a woman, her value is predicated on her ability to get a man and then to produce babies. It's really kind of an old way of thinking that I think if you're taking a feministic reading of this film, if you wanted to do a critical theory reading of this film as a feminist, you're going to come off the top like that's bad writing, that's misogynistic writing, and the female character being characterized like this is not appropriate. And what kind of things is it telling female viewers, young female viewers that might think, their contribution to their family and then society at large is their ability to find a man and make babies. Later in the film, her dad says, we thought she maybe liked the innies, not the outies, referring to how a vagina goes in and a penis goes out. <laughs> it's a joke he makes, but it refers back to the the lesbian scene, right? Yeah, that that line threw me. Like I had to like rewind it. I'm like, did he just say that? <laughs> Yeah, it's let's see here. I'm I'm losing my um sorry about that. I lost my um All right. You still there? Yeah. Ah, uh, see this is not Hold on a second. Drop my mixer real real quick here. Now my audio is coming out of my my audio is coming out of my um Input speakers should be Rodecaster Pro Stereo. One more time. Yeah. Ah, see, this is... Oh, what in the F is happening right here? Hang on a sec. I got this... Um, I might try to refresh this page. What in the fuck? That is strange. You're, my audio just... Like all of your audio is coming out of the um, my laptop right now, and it should not be. It just it just went from my ears to my laptop, so that is uh, not not very cool. That's weird. Yeah, it's unfortunately it does this sometimes, and I'm wondering why in the fuck it does that. This is a six hundred dollar mixer, and uh, for some reason the audio, like my audio, is still in my ear. Your audio is coming out of my. 
fucking laptop, and it's a little bit frustrating. Um, let's see if I can uh, output set to roadcaster pro stereo. It's very very strange that suddenly you're. Keep talking. I want to see if I can get you to come through my. Yeah. Um. I heard you kind of cut out a little bit while you were, while you were talking, and it like, yeah, kind of like did the really fast speech to kind of catch up to the the video. So. Ah, uh, well, here we go. I got it fixed now. We'll just have to cut a minute, minute out of there where I'm fucking with my audio. Uh, yeah, I, I took all a, right. So I took a chunk for the time just so i have an idea of when it was yeah so um i mean i think i think as i was saying uh well one of the things that really stuck out to me was like the whole purpose of the movie was like this girl feels like she needs a man in order to impress her parents and that that that's maybe from like a more modern uh feminist reading is kind of problematic but on the other hand, I don't really, I mean, I kind of give her parents a little bit of a pass because like parents invest a lot in their bloodline. Like my parents wanted to make sure that I, I mean, I don't think my parents would have cared if I didn't have kids, but you know, I think my parents are happy to have a grandbaby now. And I think they'd like to have a few more grandbabies. So as long as one of their sons is willing to have kids, like I think uh, parents invest a lot in their bloodline. So you'd like to see your your kids have kids and, and for that kind of experience to continue on. So I don't, I don't really blame them for being interested in that, but obviously her parents were way, way overbearing. And, and that shows with the sister as well. Cause the reason this set me off was the slut line. So, uh, they're the parents, even though they're, they're kind of desperate for their daughters to be like married off to these guys there, there's a little bit of like a puritanical vibe in this film. You can tell it's it's a ABC family because there's one part where the the sister is fixing uh, Trudy's hair because Trudy botched her hair at the beginning of the movie, and she doesn't. They don't want her to look stupid the whole movie because then you won't you won't understand why um, Mario Lopez falls for her if they don't fix her hair. So the sister's fixing her hair, and they're talking to the mom at the same time. And the mom asks, "Well, do you have a boyfriend of the sister?" And the sister's like, oh, I'm dating multiple guys back at school. And the, the mom looks at her like, oh. and so the sister was actually forced to clarify, like, I'm not a slut. I'm not sleeping with them. And I think that was written in specifically because we can't have this character fucking multiple dudes for, on an ABC family TV movie. So they, they had to write that in like, I'm not a slut. Like it was almost like a dig at her, her sister, Trudy. It was almost like a dig at Trudy because it shows, it cuts back to Trudy's face like, you know, like kind of like a F you, like, I know that was intended at me. Like you're trying to, you're trying to imply that I am a slut or whatever, but it's, it's funny that they put that in again. She has to defend that she's dating. Oh, we just go see movies. I'm not, or maybe I'm just blowing them, but I'm not sleeping with them. But it, you know, she has to clarify, I'm not a slut. And then it's one of those kind of like adult things that they worked into the movie. It's like, um, you know, it's like there's some adult humor in this film, even though it's a made-for-TV movie that that premiered on ABC Family. It's 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 kind of a conundrum there that they they had to do that. So, yeah, I thought it was kind of funny how like I thought this movie was a bit more modern than it actually was because it's 13 years old. And yeah. yeah, flip phones, flip phones, man. Yeah, 
Every time she pulls out a flip phone. That's one of the things that I wrote on my list of things to love about this movie. One of the things I wrote is how I love how dated it is. It's the perfect amount of dated. It's not like some old Humphrey Bogart film from the 1940s where it's like they hadn't even invented the television yet. It's it's dated, but it's like it's enough that it's like it triggers your memory. Like you remember 2007. I mean, you were a much younger man, but still you can think like, oh, I remember 2007. I remember um, 2007. I remember having a flip phone exactly like the ones they used in this movie. I loved how dated the flip phone was. I thought it was crazy because at one point early in the film when she's working at the restaurant, Trudy's phone rings. And the Indian guy who owns the restaurant, he's like, what is that? What is that? He doesn't recognize that there's a cell phone ringing. (laughs) That's how dated this movie is, that it's like, there's no way you could get away with writing that in a movie these days. There's no way you could have a character who hears a cell phone ring and then says, what is that ringing? There's no way. Everybody would recognize you've got your, your, your volume on your phone. You obviously don't have your phone set to silent, but they immediately know it's a phone. And then I loved it because when they'd hang up, they would just close the flip phone. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I miss that. <laughs> I miss being able to just like close the flip phone and you're done with the call there's something so final about that but when you're talking on the iphone you know it's a brick there's this little button that you push to like end a call it's not satisfying to just push this little tap this little part of your screen that's red to hang up it was so much more satisfying to be done with the call and like click and then put it back in your pocket you could just you you were physically shutting something it was on a hinge you would physically close it and the action of physically closing it would make it small enough to fit in your pocket conveniently and it also says i'm done with this call right i mean if i if i'm on a phone call and i start doing this and start touching my screen you might think well maybe he's putting it on speakerphone maybe he's not done you know if you were like waiting to talk to me if i'm like walking out and i'm on my phone or whatever you know as soon as i close that flip on okay hey what's up jason where are we heading what are, what are we doing you know what i mean you know it's time to talk i miss being able to just close a flip phone i had a flip phone just like that and i remember bitches thought that was cool <laughs> like that was that was a cool phone when i got that phone i'm serious like girls thought that shit was cool it was like oh i think it was oh four oh five when i got my flip phone i was like oh four i want to say it was like oh four when i got my flip phone i had a motorola flip phone it was silver just like the ones in this movie and fucking the girl i was boning at the time was like fuck that's cool I'm like really like a 70 dollar piece of plastic is is like impressive to you like that that you spreading your legs for that i love it 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 was just it was crazy how that shit the shit that would impress people back then but it was like cell phones are still relatively new i got my first cell phone in 2001 so in 2004 i'm like flipping my first flip phone i mean it's sort of like the there's still some novelty now now people are like whatever like if it's not 5g i want to be able to download an hour and a half porn movie and in 30 seconds or 60 seconds download it you know i want to be able to watch cum shot compilations in 4k <laughs> hd on my phone that wasn't the way back then the flip phone was the shit so i actually really loved how dated this movie was how it was a little bit you know that you watch it and you you can tell like this isn't 2020 yeah. it's not 1970 either it's not like woodstock and you know like peace and love i mean it's obviously like this was just a few years ago, but it was enough years back that you would notice shit. Like nobody's got flip phones. No one's got tablets. Nobody's got laptops. And it makes the story a little bit easier too. Cause you can appreciate that the guy doesn't have a smartphone or that he did, but he left it in his coat. So that's actually pretty good writing. Is that like, of course he's got a cell phone, but cause he's a businessman and he's successful and he's got money. But 
when she kidnapped him, he'd left his phone or he'd left his coat at the table. So that's actually kind of good writing. We get him give him credit for that. But you know, like there's no internet in the cabin, and there's really like very poor cell phone service and stuff like that. That's how it was back in 07. You know what I mean? Like we weren't as connected as we are now. Like you you go to a cabin in the woods and you still got like perfect fucking Wi-Fi and 4G and shit like that because. You know, it's it's just what it is today. People don't want to be without that type of thing. But I, I distinctly remember in 07, if I went to go visit grandparents or some shit, I was going to Kentucky. I was going to go visit somebody in Tennessee, my aunt, my uncle. Good luck making a phone call, motherfucker. Like, that ain't going to happen. I loved how dated this film was. That, to me, was really, like, a fun part of this movie is that it was an older film. Uh, and it shows its age just a little bit, like, just enough. Yeah, I think that this movie is just aged enough that like me yeah. and you are going to get this are going to under kind of understand like what's going on with like the age of all the phones and yeah yeah and i didn't get my first phone until i was 14 <laughs> yeah and the I only was, reason i got I was a phone was because my uh my parents got a uh yeah it was a they needed three lines to get like a good deal on the phone plan. Yeah, and so they're deal, just like, yeah. here you get this third phone. And it was the Motorola razor. And I remember being hot shit oh, for like shit. six months. <laughs> Dude, I remember when that Motorola razor came out, that was hot shit. I, um, I was 21 when I, when I got my first phone 20. No, I'm sorry. I was 20 when I got my first cell phone. It's just, I mean, like they weren't, when I was in high school, they weren't available. Like, you could get one of those big, like, Zach Morris Saved by the Bell phones. <laughs> but, like, nobody was getting I mean, that's like 100 bucks a month or 200 bucks a month to have this giant thing. Like, nobody fucking got those. Everybody had pagers when I was in high school. You could page somebody and say, what's up? You could page them different codes that meant different shit. It was, like, sort of like texting single words or, like, short phrases. But, like, um, the phone thing, like, really it wasn't until the very early 2000s that it started becoming more... Like people started having cell phones now, so it's really kind of a crazy thing. It's probably an aspect of this film that that younger people, like our daughters, when they're old enough to watch this film in ten years or twelve years or whatever, they're not really going to get it. It's going to be like uh, it's going to be like us watching a movie from the seventies. Like I guess that's how phones were back then—the rotary <laughs> phones or something. Like they had pay phones. It's going to be one of those weird, weird kind of things that you you look and you're like, oh, I guess they did have those back then. But for you and me, it's like, oh, I remember that flip phone. Yeah, I fucking had one of those, you know? Yeah. And we'll tell our kids one day. We'll be like, yeah, daddy had one of those. And she's going to be like, damn, dad, you old shit. Yeah, I'm I'm not excited for that day. <laughs> yeah, daddy's old. Yeah. But yeah, it's like you said, it ages it just enough. And I don't think that they rely too much on the that technology. Like, it was just a phone. Like, it wasn't like yeah. something that it was a big part of the story. Yeah. And she winds up smashing one of them. Like the one, like hers, she, cause she doesn't want him to get it. She winds up, they have this cute scene in the kitchen where they're like, they're, they're on either side of the Island and they're like dancing around the Island. Kind of like, she's trying to keep away from him and he's trying to get to her to get the phone. And then she manages to like, before he realizes he, she gets the, the uh, meat pounder, the mallet that you'd use to pulverize uh, cutlet or something like that and she just pulverizes the phone and you could do that back then because you're talking about a $60 like no one's going to put their $1,000 fucking iPhone 12 Pro Max like I just fucking got this thing I got it on release day iPhone Pro Max 12 or whatever it's 
sounds more like a tampon than a phone, but whatever the fuck. Pro Max, Max Flow, whatever. I don't know. But it sounds more like a tampon than an iPhone. The name is stupid as fuck, but whatever. It, the thing's like $1,100 phone. You're not just going to put that down on the table like, let me smash it so you can't. I'm like, whatever. Here, use the phone. Don't break it. I'll go to jail, but don't break the fucking phone. Because <laughs> they're crazy expensive now. It used to be free. You'd just like sign up for a year and boom, free. Yeah. So, averaging out our scores for writing, that comes to a 79. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Not bad. Not yeah, bad. Not bad at all. Um, next up, we got character development. Or, not. Sorry. We got acting. Um, so, I think we could do Melissa and Mario because they were the, obviously the yeah. biggest parts of, of this. I would say they carry the film. Everybody else is just there for, you know, filling out the other roles. I will give special uh, special recognition to Grandma. I thought Grandma was fucking, she was pretty cool. She was tight. Yeah. I I did like Grandma. She was, she wanted to get down. She wanted to drink. She wanted to screw. She wanted to shoot somebody. That's my kind of Grandma. Yeah. I am going to give a special shout out to the sister because <sighs> hot yeah, damn. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's really acting. That's just kind of like bending over a little bit like that. Her body was doing all the work, but I guess you can give her credit for that. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, she uh -huh. she earned her paycheck. <laughs> she sure did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so let's start uh -huh. off with Mario Lopez. Are we rating them individually or are we just going to rate acting overall? Uh, individually. Okay. Um, jeez. I'm gonna go with he's cheeky and he's handsome, but I don't think he's the most effective actor, especially in the earlier parts of the film where he's supposed to be like the dude should be justifiably pissed. He was just kidnapped by a stranger and taken to a remote location. I mean, like, honestly, he really should have been raging. Some of that's the acting and direction too, because the director's telling him like your character's not supposed to punch holes in the wall and, and try to fight everybody, even if that is a little bit more realistic. You start knocking people out and then escape. You know what I mean? Like, you let your fist do the talking. I'm going to give him his cheeky, nice smile. I'm going to give him some credit. He can ride on that. I'm going to say probably 80. I'm going to give him an 82. 82? I'm going to give him an 82. I, I feel like I'm being a little generous, but I also feel like I like this movie, so I can't I can't come down on too hard. I am actually in a going to agree with you. 82 is plenty fair for his acting. I think he was... I thought so. I mean, it's hard to not compare um, with Melissa. And we'll, we can talk about her now. Um, it's hard because she's... Yeah. I've seen her act better <laughs> than yeah. this. Well, she's our protagonist, too. So she gets the most screen time. I mean, really, the film is riding on her because it's her... It's her story, and she's the one kind of driving. So as an actor, I mean, even more than Mario Lopez, Melissa Joan Hart really has to, she has to, like, make this thing work. And I'll give Melissa Joan Hart a lot of credit. She is, I have a rule, and she's the one exception to my rule about people who uh, you got to say all three of their names because fuck those pompous cuts, cunts. Who the fuck are they? Who the fuck are they? What I got to say three names for? You got three names because you're better than me? When you say my full name, you say Jason Almy. You don't say Jason Perry Almy. 
I don't make people say, well, no, my name's not Jason Almy. My name is Jason Perry Almy. I had a friend when I was young, maybe first grade, and his name was Ryan Dale Cagle. Okay. And I'll never forget this cunt's name is I could, I'll live to 110 and I'll never forget Ryan Dale Cagle. Cause if I tried to call him Ryan, if I was hanging out at his house and I tried to call him Ryan, his mom would be like, no motherfucker. His name is Ryan Dale. I gotta call him Ryan Dale. I can't call him Ryan. His name's not Ryan. His name is Ryan Dale. I don't, who the fuck are you? I gotta say three names. I gotta say Ryan Dale Cagle. I gotta, I can't just call you Melissa Hart. She gets a pass. Melissa Joan Hart gets a pass because there's an exception to every rule. So my rule about people with three names, I got to say all three of their names because your middle name, honestly, the only reason your middle name exists is so that you can tell when your mother's actually pissed at you because she'll <laughs> say, Jason Perry Almy, God damn it, motherfucking shit ass, fuck face asshole. That's how I know my mom's really mad at me, or at least when, when I was a kid because she talked to me like that. But if you got a middle name, otherwise... I'm not supposed to know it. If I'm a stranger, I've never met Melissa Joan Hart. She's a fucking stranger as far as I'm concerned. I'm not supposed to know your middle name. I don't know half of my friends. I don't, I don't think I know my best friend's middle name. I'm not sure I know my wife's middle name. You know what I'm saying? And I'm married that broad. So I feel like the middle name, I shouldn't have to say your middle name. I don't, I don't want to be, bo be bothered with too many names. I'm bad at names. And you're telling me that you're so important that I got to remember an extra name for you? I don't like it. I don't dig those people. I don't trust those people. I don't think those people, those people are pompous assholes. They think too highly of themselves that I got to remember a third fucking name. Get the fuck out of here. But Melissa Joan Hart, I give her a pass. She's okay in my I think book. a middle name, like the only thing a middle name's really good for is to separate you from like if you're named after someone. Yeah. And to give you options if you don't like your name. <laughs> Yeah, like I know a lot of folks who go by their middle name because they prefer that. Yeah. You know, okay, I, I, I know people who do that. And I think that's acceptable too. Because if you say my name's Austin, I don't care if that's your first name. Your first name might be Scott and your second name, your middle name is Austin, but you prefer Austin to Scott. You want to go by Austin. I'll call you whatever the fuck you want. As long as I call you one, five, you say my name is Austin Free. Okay, good. Your name is Austin Free. Very nice to meet you, Austin. I don't care that's the, your middle name. You're just giving me one name that I got to deal with, Austin. When the, the moment you're like, I'm Scott Austin Free, and I'm like, okay, what's up, Scott? No, I'm Scott, Scott Austin. I got to say Scott Austin every time I fucking address you or talk to you or talk about you to somebody else. Fuck that. I got no time for that. Man, those people suck. <laughs> those people. Yeah, they do. But Just pick one name and go with it, you yeah. know? And it can Shit. be different for other like people. So like my dad, his name's David, but everyone yeah. in his family, so like my grandma, my my grandpa, my uh, my aunt, all of them call him Bronson because that's his middle name, or it's Bronson okay. Lee, but everyone calls him Bronson. Like all of his childhood friends call him Bronson, but everyone that knows him professionally call him David or Dave or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And. But your dad's not going around saying, you got to call me David Bronson Lee. You know what I mean? Like, he's not making people do the whole the whole thing. It's like, you call me what you call me, but you only got to deal with one. Yeah. And I like the to same me, that's with the like, way to go. My daughter, like, I call her Iris, but I think my sister-in-law, she calls her Lola because that's her middle name. And she I likes see. that name a little bit 
better. She's like, oh, it's cute. It's a cute name. <laughs> and it's like my that is a cute name named after my grandma. So yeah, she's kind of like yeah. hell yeah. I like that. It's family name. Family name. That's the way to go. Hell yeah. So I absolutely agree with you. Anyone who makes you call them all by all three names or their yeah. first and middle, those people can go rotten hell. <laughs> Yeah, it's like what kind of who who do you think you are? You what do you 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 king shit of fuck mountain over here? Whatever. I I'm gonna say though, Melissa Joan Hart's my exception. I think she's a very pleasant person, uh, and I'm gonna give her some credit for her acting. I'm gonna give her a ninety because you know she did have more of the film to carry as the protagonist, and she is the one who faced this internal conflict that really was kind of the inciting incident for the film where she has this I love a movie too that's that like where a character kind of starts with with everything going wrong for the character kind of like all at once because it is it does feel like real life you know what I mean it feels like real life the way that happens like when it rains it pours and so she has to kind of carry this and make it as believable as possible for the silly premise so she has this kind of like breakdown like this like the eye twitching kind of like lip twitching breakdown at the beginning of the movie and that's part of like the incident and then she has to juggle this really kind of like well she's got to be dangerous enough to kidnap the guy and unhinged enough to kidnap the guy but she can't be so crazy that we're not like rooting for the love story aspect it'd be a little weird if she was just batshit loco and at the end of the movie they're in love because you're like well who falls in love with a crazy person so i think she did a good job of like sort of balancing that like she's quirky, she's an artist, she's a little desperate to please her parents, especially at the beginning of the movie, but but she's still like a real person too. Like she's still got like this real, like I'm not total crazy person and I, I sort of feel guilty about what I did and now I have to sort of walk this whole thing back. You know, it's I I gotta give her a little credit for for being able to sort of balance that and and I mean it's not a nuanced role, it's Academy Award winning. I mean, she's no Heath Ledger or whatever, <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix, but but she did, I think she did a good job for um for for what she's gotta work with and and what she had to do in that particular role. I think she did well. I might even be I might even be a little harsh in giving her the ninety. I might should give her a higher score, but you know. I think she earned the 90 for sure. Yeah. I just because of like the stuff I've seen her, other stuff I've seen her in and knowing that she's capable of more, I'm a little bit lower than what we gave uh, Mario. So I'm, I'm going to give her an okay. 81. I think she, Mario is okay. just like a bit better. Or, like his performance is just a, a tad stronger, but like I definitely agree with you. She had a lot more to do. It's just I've seen her do better, so I'm like, eh. Yeah. Uh, so giving her the eighty-one, uh, then that averages us out to an eighty-five and a half for Melissa Joan Hart's okay. score, and okay. then averaging out the score for Mario and. Melissa Joan Hart, that comes to an 83.75 for acting. Okay. Okay. All right. Next up, we got character development, which... Word, word. I mean, I think we can both agree that uh, Trudy was the one that had the most development. (laughs) Yeah. I think she was pretty well developed. Her family dynamic was obviously very well seen. 
We saw a little less of Mario Lopez's family dynamic. We saw sort of what his dynamic was with his fiancée, who was very waspish, very like white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, um, kind of like upper crust, and maybe a little bit of like she's doing him a favor a little bit because he is the uh, Latino man who is, you know, he's maybe um, worked his way up the ladder a little bit where she was born with the silver spoon. So you get to see a little bit of his background and maybe uh, some of like what his motivations are, especially for ditching the waspy fiance who is really just kind of a self-centered biatch because, yeah. uh, you know, he's like, hey, I've been kidnapped. I was going to propose to you, but I've been kidnapped. And she's just like looking at her finger, imagining where the the uh, the wedding ring would be or the engagement ring would be. And she's not even concerned that he's like, seriously, I've been kidnapped. Like call the cops. <laughs> it's kind of funny how self-centered she is that even in this moment where he's in this kind of extreme danger or she doesn't know I mean she's he's just saying he's been kidnapped by these crazy people she should be thinking like oh my god what you know like the the engagement is like a, a piece of trivia that he really only mentions so she'll quit being a bitch to him because she was busting his balls about him not showing up she doesn't show a lick of concern for him before she knows he's kidnapped she's like I can't believe you stood me up for our date we we're supposed to meet and blah 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 I had other important things going on that I canceled for you. And it's very funny that instead of like a loving, like your wife, my wife would have been like, oh my God, are you okay? I didn't hear from you. Are you all right? Because they would be worried about us because they trust us to keep our uh, engagements. And if we miss a date or we stand them up or they don't hear from us, they immediately think, oh my gosh, I hope he's okay. That's what a loving relationship is like. This lady doesn't do that. She's not like, oh my God, are you all right? I haven't heard from you since yesterday. Are you okay? immediately she's like why are you such a dick and you stood me up like she just goes straight to like me 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 you stood me up this is how i felt after you didn't show up instead of concern for him what if he got in a wreck he could have been in a hospital she should be relieved that he's not in a fucking coma instead she so look obviously they have to write her like that so that we'll be rooting for them to to break up with their other people you know the the partners the guy who dumps melissa joan Hart has to be a douchebag the girl that that Mar Lopez is supposed to marry has to be a douchebag so that we're just kind of like, ah, we don't feel for him. We want, we, we, we identify and we feel for the main characters. We want to see them to get to that. It's a romantic comedy. That's how they work. Um, but I, I actually think it was still pretty well done that they have this whole conversation that revolves around her and it shows that, you know, he's maybe like kind of a people pleaser. It's hard for him to say no. Plus, he probably realizes that, you know, he'd be marrying into this family money and that it would be like a good move for him, like a smart money move for him to marry this girl. But I mean, by the end of the film, he obviously realizes that she's not worth his time, that he's got a good heart and he needs to be with somebody who is going to like value him versus looking at him like one of the help because they have that maid that's kind of a bitch too, the maid that like, you know, and she's a Hispanic maid. You can hear her accent. You're like, oh, no, I'm sorry, not again. You know, she has a, a Hispanic accent that that you can see that these people kind of look at. There's actually a couple subtle, kind of like a subtle, a few subtle like racist moments of the movie where it's not that the movie's racist. It's that a few of the characters in the movie are racist for a purpose to kind of show you that this guy deserves better than this family that... They're, while they're not overtly racist against Hispanics, you can tell that they're, they're kind of cultural attitudes of this like waspy white family, this rich 
kind of you know silver spoon white family sort of looks at these other characters that are like of a Hispanic descent, uh, working class that work their way up as obviously kind of beneath them, and that's how they're, that's how their sort of their tone goes. And so you could see that. So you get a little bit of his backstory, but you get much more hers. You get you get her whole family dynamic. Her dynamic with her brother and sister is super well developed. Um, the way her and her sister go back and forth, her sister kind of subtly calls her a slut and she rolls her eyes and, you know, she has that bonding moment with her brother where they're drinking a few beers and, you know, her brother kind of comes out to her before coming out to the parents. So they kind of create with this character, I mean, it's an hour and a half long movie, so it's not exactly the Lord of the Rings trilogy where they get all this time to develop all these characters in this world building, but with the time that they've got... For the story that they're trying to tell, they really do a pretty good job of like world building these character relationships, these family relationships that I honestly, as I'm talking my way through it, I'm I'm giving them a pretty high score for the way that they develop some of these interpersonal things that I think they probably did a pretty good job on. Um, Trudy's parents being overbearing is the biggest one probably that you get to see this development of um of her character and you sort of believe why her character would be uh the way she was at the beginning of the film so i, I honestly I, I gotta say i'm i'm probably gonna lean toward a mid 90s i'm gonna go with 96 for character development i talked myself into 96 yeah i thought they did a really really good job um with that i thought that the the parents or the dad specifically when he was talking to the mom or I think he might have been talking to Trudy too. Um, but when he was talking about the interview being like, that's our neighbor. Like you made us look bad. <laughs> like he didn't give a shit that she didn't yeah. do well or. Yeah. Or that she got into a wreck or whatever else happened. It was, it was all about like him and how do I look and how did you make me look? Yeah. yeah. And then you could kind of see it getting to the mom as well. Like she was dealing with a lot of feelings <laughs> Being like, oh, like I could have, yeah. there's so much that I missed out on in life. And I don't think you should get into a marriage if you're having those feelings. It's kind of like the, yeah. um, with Mario Lopez's character, like the girlfriend, she's just like, oh, why are we, why do you want to marry me? And she's like, well, it makes sense. That's like the worst reason to get married. <laughs> Like, it's just yeah. like, oh, it makes sense. Like, no, it should be because I love you more than anyone else in the world. Oh. And I, I dig that because that, that does sort of follow up on the beginning of the movie where they really set up this, like, a woman's value is her ability to get a man and to get pregnant and to have a husband and to make babies. And they they really kind of show you the other side of that and say, like, there are other things in life. I mean, building a family, as you and I both know, we have young daughters that we love and wives that we love. I mean, building a family is one of the most, if not the most, um, important and incredible things that you can do in your life. But there are other things that other people and that even us need to help us to feel satisfied with our life. Creative outlets like podcasting, uh, love of films and being able to watch movies and then discuss them together uh, in depth. I mean, it's like all of these different things that, that have to kind of come together to make uh, life enjoyable and to improve your quality of life. It's not just about finding a man. And then, 
you know, maybe you don't want to put that first because if all you're trying to do is desperately find a man so you can get married and start spitting out babies, you might realize when you're 50, like, holy shit, what the fuck did I do? Like, maybe I should have pursued a career for a little bit. Maybe I should have, like, um, waited until I really met the right man and then had babies with him and have a more fulfilling relationship. And so, I mean, I think that they, they, they do finally get there towards the end of the movie and they sort of address that maybe initial sort of a massage and kind of anti-feminist uh, uh, premise that a, a woman needs a man in order to, to have a value or provide a value to the society. So um, I, I appreciate that they they got there too. I mean, they they I think they ended it on the right note. Absolutely. I think this is a movie that if they would have taken a different turn, I'd have a hard time showing my daughter in the future. Yeah. And but I mean, with the way that they ended it, I would have no issues showing it to her. But like, that's yeah. kind of the the future that the parents were able to accept is exactly the future that I want for my daughter. I want her yeah. to pursue whatever it is that she wants to. If she wants to pursue art, like I will support her however I can yeah. with her art. Or if she wants to pursue and it's like a- podcasting for a living, I'll support yeah. that. I'm going to pressure my kid into podcasts. I'm going to be like, you can talk. You can fucking grab a mic, kid. You're my co-host. And my wife, when my wife is busy, you on the mic. I'm, I mean, like, I think just what it says as a parent is like, you know, like you have to balance the responsibilities of um, when your child is young, it's on you to expose her to different things. She's not going to be able to drive herself to soccer practice, for instance. You have to kind of enroll her and get her out there and put her into different stuff, whether it's a sport or an activity uh, and, uh, you know, art or something like that, gymnastics. I mean, you do have to, cause she's just too young. I mean, they, she can't, she's not going to take a bus to the, to the bowling alley or whatever. I mean, you do have to expose her to a few different things to, in order for her to find the thing that clicks with her, but then you can't put too much pressure on your kids. I mean, that's, probably part of the movie as like an older person now watching it. Cause I first watched this movie in like, Oh eight. I mean, I saw it when I was much younger and I didn't have kids and I didn't have a family. I identified more as Trudy. I was Trudy's age when I first saw this movie, but now as a father watching it again, as an older guy, I'm sort of looking at the parents now as like, well, this could be me one day having children and having a family and then having to show this parental guidance and leadership. And you just, I think the big thing is like, you don't want to push your children. You don't want to like lean on them to create some outcome that you think is going to be best for them, but is still kind of pushing them too much. Like you want to, I don't know. It's, it's, it's all about balance. Cause you can't just like, well, I'll just be totally hands off and the kid can just like hang out in my basement until they're 45 and I die. I mean, you want to make sure that they still, you still teach the kid things, you know, and you want, you still want the kid doing the things that they need to do. Like I'm going to put a little pressure on my daughter to, to perform well in school, but that's because I understand that scholastic achievement is highly correlated to um you know uh, other outcomes that you like later on in life like if she goes to college she's less likely to be a smoker i don't want her to die of lung cancer and i know that smoking costs a lot of money so obviously like, i'm going to lean on my daughter not to do certain things i i don't want her to smoke i don't want her to do drugs that could harm her uh health or hurt her harm or kill her you know what i mean that's a terrifying thought so it's like you do kind of have to but then at the same time you're not just 
I think you and I both agree, like, you're not just going to be like, okay, you're 25 now. Why don't you have three kids yet? You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to lean on them. Like, I want grandbabies. I want grandbabies. Like, hurry up and spit out kids. You also want to say, like, look, you know, wait till you meet the right guy. There's no rush. you got plenty of years to reproduce, you know. So it's, you have to balance these messages of trying to, you know, encourage them to do the right thing and to, like, pr pursue the things that they love. But then also, like, you don't want to shit on what they love, but... You know, you might also say, well, what can you do that's sort of maybe like practical? You want to make some money one day. So like, you know, think about engineering in addition to like being a, a mime on the street corner. You're not going to make that much money, you know, doing traditional ballet or something like that. So I don't know. That's that's I think the cautionary tale for us, though, as parents now. Yeah, it's it's funny watching movies like this, because like you said, you get like a different perspective, like watching it as someone that's. Yeah. single or without a child yeah. and someone that does and you're right like it's just a balancing act and obviously they push too hard like these parents push too yeah. hard in a uh like what looks good yeah. like oh my daughter's going to be a lawyer yeah. my son's doing this my other daughter she's yeah. getting her life together to pursue this but it's not what she wants to pursue yeah. and it's just like you said, you yeah. want to push them hard and yeah. like enough they so hard. they're not like a quitter <laughs> or like, oh, this yeah. is hard. I'm done. Yeah, I mean, it's like, but you, you want to yeah. teach them the, the right lessons. You want to make sure they get the, the lessons that they need to be successful, but then you don't want to, I mean, I think what they were doing was somewhat living vicariously through the kids, like especially the oh, mom. Oh yeah. You know, she wishes she'd had a career or whatever. So she's kind of pushing them to be, so I, you know, I think part of it is just like knowing that, you know, you're not your kids and your kids aren't you. And, you know, they might they might owe you some debt of like uh, parental gratitude for all the things you did for them growing up. But you still got to let them live their life and, and pursue the things that they want to pursue and like uh, support and encourage them too, and not just like, oh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't think you should major in that. Or, you know, since I'm paying for your college, I'm not going to pay for you to major in uh sculpture i'm gonna pay you to for you to major in a stem degree or something like that you better major in chemistry if you want to i don't know so there's the wrong way to go about it for sure um so i don't know i think they got out of balance and they weren't really supporting the the daughter like i said they didn't give a fuck about her art nobody asked about her art you know they were just like well you got to go do this job interview yeah. i don't know and I maybe she could sell a painting yeah. i don't know and i think that with stuff like that, like with someone that wants to be a little bit more creative, you can find like as a, a parent with someone or as a older adult, you can find ways to kind of guide them into things that they yeah. love. So like with art, you can be like, oh, you can like while you're doing your artistry stuff, like why don't you be a graphic designer or and then yeah. like it's still art and just like Pay the bills but with it's the also practical design. and people want that <laughs> and will hire you for that. Yeah. Like that'll take care of yeah. you. Like Yeah. And I don't know. I just see stuff like that a little different. Obviously, <laughs> we both see it a little differently yeah, than it's, those parents did. <laughs> yeah, it's a little different now. It's definitely a movie. That's a, a wonderful thing about movies too, that you really you don't get to appreciate when you're young because you don't have the life experience. When you're 10, 12 watching movies, it, they just are what they are. But then, 
when you revisit them in your 20s and you revisit them again in your 30s, I mean, these different phases of your life, it's it's neat how you can kind of see them differently. You can watch them with different eyes as you as you age. Some of your favorite movies that have been with you your whole life, you know, you get to watch them again and again and kind of you get to kind of see it from a different perspective as your life changes a little bit. It's pretty yeah, cool. Absolutely. Um, so averaging out our score, I, what did I say? Of 80, I was in the eighties, I think 84, I think. So okay. that averages us out right. to a 90.5. Okay. Nice. Nice, nice. Um, next up, we got effects. So this is stunt work, yeah. special effects. Um, there's one that I want to point out that I like stuck out in my brain really hard, and this was when uh, Trudy was <laughs> ice skating, and you could tell that that mm. obviously was not Melissa <laughs> Joan Hart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny because it's like, oh, wow, you're also an incredible ice skater. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And it seemed like she, like they said, she hadn't ice skated since she was like 10. <laughs> and then yeah. she could pull this so shit off. How good off. could you be? Yeah. That's crazy. I don't I mean, what are, I'm, I'm racking my brain for other like effects in the film. I mean, there's really, there wasn't a lot. I mean, yeah. It's, I mean, they had the gun. The Christmas movie. The gun was. I mean, as basic as you can get, it was a musket firing off a single shot. So it was just like a smoking gun. Um, Yeah. When it comes to stunt work, I think Mario Lopez did a really, I'm not sure if it was actually him or not, but probably someone different. But like when he slipped and fell, knocked himself out. Or when Mm, Joan Hart get, get knocked over. I think those falls were a little on the cheesy side. <laughs> yeah. And probably they were supposed to, cause it's a comedy. So you want to see like a Pratt fall. You want to see somebody kind of like bonk themselves. It's supposed to be a little comical, I guess. Yeah. I just think that they, I don't know. I think it, it's weird. Like, I don't like those falls where it's like a shot of the ground and then they just fall into frame. <laughs> Yeah, that's an easy one to do, right? Because they obviously they don't fall. You know, you can shoot it in such a way that they don't have to fall from up high. They just, you know, you get them down low, but just out of the frame, and then they fall into the frame. And it's sort of a practical way to do it because then you can show, like if you have to have the person falling over and you want to show it from them standing to them falling, it's like you sort of have to film it a little further away so you can see the entirety of the fall, but then you can also use a stunt double because you're not going to have your principal actor taking a real fall. So usually when they do the the ground, it's sort of like a tighter shot, and when they fall, it's like you see the actor's face. So you can tell it's not a, a double or something standing in yeah. for them. So I think that like just with me, I think that stunt work could have been done a little bit better or just shot a little bit differently because yeah. it didn't feel like those falls had a lot of weight to them. Yeah, I think that's where the lower budget yeah. shows. I mean, you, you can't, when it comes to like dialogue and a romantic comedy Christmas film, you know, you can't tell the difference between one million and five million and ten million dollars spent right you know you you might imagine the higher the the a-list actor i mean the more money spent on getting them to read the dialogue in front of the camera but for the most part it's like um that's not really 
you know, that's not really where you'll see a thin budget. But the effects are obviously where you will see a thin budget because that's that's where usually money has to be spent in order to get a shot right, to shoot it enough times to get the right shot or to have uh, post-production artwork done in CG to make it look realistic. I mean, you watch the making of of any of these Avengers films, especially the more recent ones, where it's like you've got Josh Brolin in a mocap suit and that's what they film but then what you wind up seeing is 10 foot tall Thanos who's giant and purple and does resemble Josh Brolin. I mean, you can tell where the money is spent in a lot of these films. And I think with this film is no exception. You can see the, the, the lower budget in the effects yeah. for sure. I mean, even when that gun goes off, I'm like, I've fired those muskets before I've fired a, um, a muzzle loading, uh, flint lock, uh, pistol and rifle before like they're big they're loud i mean it's not this little that was like a little cap gun that went off you know what i mean like um they were in a car when they fired this thing they're loud as hell to begin with but you're in a car with the windows up because it's snowy outside they would have both been <laughs> deaf like tinnitus they would have they would have been bleeding out of their ear holes because it's loud and i mean it goes off in a closed space they they both would have been cussing and they wouldn't have been able to hear for the rest of the day um but you could tell the effect was a little bit it was just like a little pop and you just see a little smoke and it's like well would that have hurt him? I mean, that might have bounced off him. He's got abs. <laughs> yeah. So that and like the biggest one, like I said, was the ice skating thing for me. That one yeah. brings my score not like super low because I can be pretty, f I feel like a little forgiving. I'm like 70. <laughs> like okay. still passing. I'm but... going with an 80 on effects. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go with 80 on effects. Just because, you know, I don't want to be too hard on them because it's not an effects-heavy movie. So I feel like, yeah, what was there was maybe not the greatest, but at the same time, it's not a movie that has to rely heavily on effects for realism. I mean, if you watched a shoestring budget Avengers film and, like, Thanos is just Josh Brolin painted purple with, like, purple paint on his skin, you'd be like, what the fuck is this? It would really fuck with your enjoyment of Avengers Endgame and Infinity War if they botched the the effects that badly but for a movie that doesn't it's not an effects film but it's got a few effects in it as as part of the storyline i got to say there's probably a little less weight on that i'm going to give them a little credit so i gave them an 80 for effects i i can't hear you you can't son of a bitch microphone is off why is my microphone off why are you saying my microphone is off? Oh, I don't shit. know why are you saying my microphone is off. I didn't do nothing. I don't know why it's off. All right. <clears throat> oh. All right. Sorry about that. I got it. I got it fixed. Okay. Yeah. No, <sighs> I'm back. I'm back. So yeah, I think uh, what I said that was important was that I gave uh, effects an eighty. So that obviously will average out to a 75. Cool. Yeah. Uh, next up, music. So this one is out of 10. Okay. This one's out of 10. All right. Yeah. And honestly, I don't, I, the music wasn't anything special, I feel. Yeah. Did his job. Yeah. Like nothing really stood you out know, I mean, to with me. 
Yeah, I think with the music, you know, they want to play music that sets the right tone. The romantic mu- moments need that bit of of kind of romantic orchestral music playing, and then some of the interior shots of the cabin needs a little Christmas music. I mean, I think they were fine. I don't think there was anything that was stand out. It wasn't like. I mean, it wasn't something, there wasn't any iconic sound that was created for this movie, like a Star Wars film or, or, or Jurassic Park or something where it's like those bars of music are going to play and play and play. Um, so, you know, they're not breaking any ground with the, with the film. I got to say probably pretty average, I don't know, maybe a 7.5 from me. Yeah. And I was thinking like in the five range, like, let me just see really quick because i have like a reference for what the equivalent is for my thing so if yeah out of a hundred a five is like a 70 so okay yeah i'll so you you said seven and a half so yeah six okay yeah we'll do six uh, next up, we got costumes, and again, this is another thing that was on the average side. Yeah, is this a uh, out of ten? This or one's out of ten for costumes. Okay, okay, all right. I'm gonna give them a little credit here. Uh, they didn't. You you initially, you don't think of this as a big costume movie. There's no. You know, again, it's not one of these films where they're trying to, um, you know, depict a realistic like uh, 1940s L.A. and they have to make sure that the costumes are correct and accurate. Or like um, The Godfather, for instance, they had all those flashback scenes uh, in The Godfather Part Two of the early like 1910s um, uh, America in New York. And um Coppola did a very good job of of um, making sure that the costumes um, were were super realistic. In fact, at one point in time, there was a a costume that was a pair of pants that included a zipper. And somebody pointed out, somebody on the set, maybe the set decorator or somebody pointed out that the zipper hadn't been in, invented or deployed on pants yet. So like in 1915 or whatever year it was, they didn't have zippers on pants yet. So he actually went and had the not that you can see the zipper at any point or even the buttons, but he had he went and had the pants replaced and fixed so that they reflected accurately the costume of the day. So you don't get any of that in this movie. You don't but there are a few kind of scenes that there's a little bit of comedy that involves the costuming. Like um when Trudy's mother on the phone at the beginning of the movie, they're having that exchange, it sort of sets up the tone of their relationship for the film. She's pressuring Trudy into wearing her Christmas dress, this pink dress that her mom got her apparently. And so she wears it because she's pressured into it and she's already wearing something else, but your mom pressures into it and she just looks silly. Like it's a silly looking dress. It's kind of old. It's retro, but not in a cool way. And it's like a little tight on her and you can tell she's, she feels silly and she fucked her hair up. So her hair just looks kind of ridiculous. And so like there is some costume and sort of um, makeup stuff going on that um, while not being like super difficult or like over the top, it, it like works for what's happening. Like it, it, it facilitates the story that they're trying to tell and the characterization that they're trying to give for Trudy. And then there's the scene where Mario Lopez has to borrow the clothing from Trudy's dad. 
and it doesn't quite fit him and it's pretty stupid it's like the golf pants that are like plaid and they're kind of tight and the shirt's a little short and it like he really only gets away with it because he's like super fit and he's like uh he's in good shape but you can tell it's like tight on him and it's not comfortable and it's not his style it looks stupid on him and that's kind of a point of like that's funny too right we're kind of like laughing because he has to wear this stupid clothes so like they did some work with the costumes i'm gonna give them um i'm gonna give them an 8.5 on costumes because i feel like they did a little bit of work with the costumes not a ton not a costumey movie but they 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 did a few things for for comedy that facilitated some of the character development and story so um it 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 like fed into the movie overall in a very positive way so i'm gonna give them an 8.5 there yeah, I. Damn, you're making me feel like I'm being a hard ass on this movie. <laughs> yeah, being a hard ass, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, I like. I think there was a, a couple like standout outfits. So, like, definitely Melissa Jones, well, uh, crazy hair and her uh, dress and Mario Lopez's uh, golf outfit. Which is weird because the dad seemed like he was bigger than Mario Lopez. So I feel like those clothes should have been at least a little baggy. <laughs> yeah, you'd think. Especially in the uh, the waist, you know? Like, because he's got a little belly. Yeah, so that was kind of like, eh, for me. But, I mean, overall, I think they were f- fairly average outfits. So I'm, I'm going to give it a six. Uh, so we'll average that okay. to a seven. Hard ass, dude. What do they got to do to make you happy? No, like, I love this movie. Like, it was amazing. It's just, like, I mean, critically for... speaking, it was just like, eh, like, it's an okay movie. <laughs> yeah. It's hard for me to separate my inner critic with my inner fan. You know, like, if I like a movie, I tend to look at it a little bit more forgivingly. Like, I realize all of the the lovely qualities about it. So it's like, well, maybe they did that on purpose. You know, like I always give them the benefit yeah. of the doubt. And that's why we included this last category, which is personal grade. So this is another out yes. of 100, right? All right. All right. Okay, cool. I'm going to go with a 93. I feel like I've already said a lot of good things about this movie as I was giving all of my other grades for the other uh, the other areas. I've, I noted that... There were several reasons to love this movie. Uh, there is, th- this is what I have to say to the people who don't, who don't love this movie. So this is for the people who don't love this movie. This is what I got to say to them. <laughs> That's all I got to say to people who, that I can't think of any reason not to love this movie. I'm going to give it a 93. Again, I'm trying to grade it. I'm not trying to grade it against a movie like Goodfellas that I've already mentioned three times on this on this episode that could be the best film of all time. We don't compare Holiday and Handcuffs against Goodfellas. Yes, they're both motion pictures, but they're like completely different animals. It's apples and oranges. But for what they do, I mean, for a Christmas movie that is made on TV that that's going to be part of the 25 days of Christmas every single year. It's going to be on TV every year. And it's always going to be one of those movies that, you know, you pop the TV on one evening and you start flipping through the channels in December and there it is. And it's, it's a good movie to settle into. If you've seen it before, you don't need to start at the beginning, just wherever you, you pop in and you find it and you're like, Oh, this is an entertaining movie. It's uh it's heartwarming. It's got, 
It's got uh, some pretty, like, um, you know, the, the actors, the primary principal actors are pretty cute. Even some of the supporting characters are fun uh, or or very attractive and look good in the fucking yoga pants. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking at the sister right now. You know, what I'm <laughs> you know but uh, I think for what, for what this movie is, it's very strong for a made-for-TV Christmas movie. Most of the made-for-TV Christmas movies are insufferable, and, and you can't even get through them. This movie is actually, not only can you get through it, I'll watch this movie every year. I just tweeted Freeform asking when we're going to get a Blu-ray steelbook of this movie. <laughs> I literally just tweeted them to ask them what I have to do. I told them I'd do anything because they got a DVD out of this right now, but I got a thing. I don't buy I don't buy DVDs anymore. I stopped doing that. So if they put out a, a Blu-ray steelbook of this film, trust me, I'll be the first in line to pick up a copy of this, and I'll proudly display it with the rest of my Blu-ray steelbooks. Because uh, this is a good film, I think, for 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 what it is. It's a good film. It doesn't stand up against a $100 million Marvel movie, and it doesn't stand up against a classic like Goodfellas, but it doesn't have to. It, in terms of holiday movies, this is a great example of a holiday movie, too, that you know, a lot of holiday movies, it's like this is a Christmas movie, and then they proceed to tell a story that if you were to grab the script – you could erase a couple of things and make it a July 4th movie or a Easter movie because so much of the premise of the film doesn't have anything to do with Christmas. It just happens to be Christmas while the characters are doing all of the things that they're doing. But for this film, you would really have to go through a lot of work to erase the Christmas aspects and rewrite it so that it was uh, a summer vacation she had, she had to kidnap him for. And it really would kind of fuck up some key parts of the movie, like what you pointed out, the, um, the ice skating ski scene. That doesn't work if it's an Easter movie and it's set in the spring, in April. I mean, it doesn't work. It doesn't work if it's a July 4th movie. I mean, there's a lot of this film aesthetically and even in terms of the events that occur that only work if it's a Christmas movie. And another thing I like about it is they're not too, it's a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas themed movie, definitively, but they're not heavy handed or ham fisted about the, the meaning of Christmas and the joy in the little kid's eyes. And, and this is what Christmas means to me and blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's, it's a Christmas movie, but it's, it's a family movie too. And it's about the interpersonal dynamic that occurs between these family members and stuff like that. So it's very relatable in that sense. And it, you know, that type of thing is more universal than a Christmas movie, and they don't beat you over the head with the, the usual Christmas themes, you know what I mean? They they just have fun with it. They tell a story that's set around Christmas, where Christmas is an integral part of, of the story, but but it's not, you know, it's not one of these like the Santa Claus and the magic, and you have to believe and sing loud for everyone to hear so that the sleigh will fly again, and Buddy the Elf, you don't have... It's not weighed down by any of that stuff. So I feel like they're still able to have a ton of fun with it. So I got to say it's a great it's a great Christmas movie in my opinion. Uh, hell yeah. Um, again, I'm going to be a hard ass on this movie. Um, Damn, son. I'm, I'm sitting at an 80. Like, I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. Okay. I had an amazing time bread. watching it. Um, obviously, the second time because the first time I passed right the hell out um but that's not the movie's fault <laughs> <laughs> no i've passed out during some of the best movies of all time i think i've fallen asleep during the godfather i've fallen asleep i fell asleep during goodfellas the first time i tried to watch goodfellas the very first time i tried to watch goodfellas back in the 90s i fell asleep because it's a long movie and i tried to watch it at night i fell asleep 
I came back and I watched the rest of it the next day. But there's no shame in that. Yeah. But, I mean, like we've said, you're not getting a an Oscar-worthy movie watching this. You're getting a feel-good Christmas movie. And that's what you... You, yeah, you yeah, shouldn't If you go into that. it expecting that, you're going to have an amazing time with this movie. And I feel like... Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to, you could set up a bunch of drinking rules with this game and just have a freaking party with your friends. You could. You could. Yeah, you could have a lot of fun watching. That's actually something that I do like. Like, my favorite Christmas movies are the ones that are fun, that you can have fun with. And that's probably why I like this one so much, because it's not like this heavy-themed, you know, Christmas shoes bullshit where the mom dies at the end. Fuck that. Christmas Vacation, it's a fun movie. It's just fun to watch. It's hilarious and it's enjoyable. Bad Santa, again, another fun movie that's tongue in cheek, that doesn't take itself too seriously and is very profane. This movie is like those in that sense that you can have fun with it. You can make a drinking game of it. You can invite your friends over and and you can really like get into the film and enjoy it on that level. That that not every movie, even some of the classics that we've mentioned, you can't. I wouldn't make a drinking game of Goodfellas, you know? I mean, it's, I guess you could, but that's not the type of movie it is, Yeah, you know? So, but, yeah, so we actually have a, uh, a friend of the podcast, Film on the Rocks. They actually do drinking uh, rules for movies, so they should do, yeah, oh, they should make the okay. drinking rules for this movie. <laughs> We should recommend that to them. Hell yeah. We'll just get like a shit ton of <laughs> different podcasts uh, reviewing Holiday in Handcuffs. <laughs> I think it. I think Holiday in Handcuffs deserves it. It's been 13 years. It's about the time they have their day. I mean, they're, they're old enough that this could be considered a Christmas classic. I mean, people could grow up with this. I, that's the thing about movies, too, is like um, they have to stand the test of time, right? So if it's something that you watched in 2008 when you were 18 – and you still watch it now, you, you kind of grew up with the movie or you've had the movie's been around long enough that like it's embedded now. It means something to you. So, um, you know, I think I think why not let them have their day now that now that it's been around long enough and that enough of us have kind of come around to the the um, the joys of holiday and handcuffs. Hell yeah. So. I think I said I'm going to give it an 80 so averaging that out okay. or our Hard two ass. scores, that brings it to an 86.5, which concludes this breakdown and the final all bros and shit happens when you party naked score for holiday and handcuffs is a B minus. Okay. Yeah. So it's sitting at an 81.78%. Okay. I feel like the listeners are going to know over the last hour and a half, I feel like we have, um, we have expressed ourselves clearly that I'm probably, I probably graded a little higher. You probably graded a little lower, you know, we're kind of meeting in the middle. It's fair. I think the, the listener knows where I stand on this film at this point. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I mean, obviously you made it, the, the arguments there to improve the score. Yeah. I think I can argue for for the score that I gave it. I mean, I can at least justify why I graded it highly. And I I do think I graded it pretty highly, especially given that it's a made for TV Christmas movie. I don't I don't think I would ever grade a, another made for TV movie this highly. 
or look upon one this favorably. Yeah. So comparing it to some other movies that we've done. So all these movies I'm about to list off are other B-minus movies. Um, it is higher than the Banana Splits movie. Okay, I haven't seen. Pretty good one if you get a chance to. Um, it's kind of a... Okay. I mean, it's... Comparing it, like... That's kind of the Halloween equivalent of this movie. <laughs> kind of cheesy, but it's okay. it's good. Okay. I like Halloween movies, so I'll check that one out. Yeah. Um it's also on the it's the same level as Late Night. Haven't seen that one either. Um it's a little bit lower than The Hunt. Still haven't seen that one. That one's either. nuts. God damn, man. Y- you need to check that one out. <laughs> that one is, is it good? nuts. Okay. I just I have not been on the movies since since my kid was born. I mean, and and she's almost a year and a half old. So I mean, I really, I don't know. I, the, I need to get back on my movies, but it's been tough. COVID too. Like I, we used to go see movies in the theaters, and I think I've been to see two movies in the theaters this year, just because fucking COVID fucked up my one of my favorite things to do was to go see a movie in the theaters. A big ass diet coke and a big ass buttery ass popcorn. And you go see that thing in a in a in a nice movie theater, man. That was always such a fun yeah. experience. I loved it. Uh, let's see. It's on the same level as Deadpool two. Oh, get the fuck out of here! Deadpool two was amazing. I don't know if I would put it up on the same level as Deadpool two. I got to put Deadpool two above Holiday. Hand- I like Holiday in Handcuffs, but Deadpool two shit was good. Yeah, it's actually. 0.7% higher than Deadpool 2. <laughs> Damn, son. Yeah, and it is a little bit, or it's one point lower than The Greatest Showman. Okay. I never saw Greatest Showman, so. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. I mean. Okay. You could take it or leave it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, it didn't. I like Hugh Jackman, but only when he's got yeah, claws. Same here. Otherwise, I'm like, fuck off with this circus shit. Anyway, that concludes this week's breakdown. Um, Jason, would you like to tell everyone where they can find your stuff and all that you do? I would I would absolutely love to tell people all about where they can find my shit. Uh, my podcast is called Shit Happens When You Party Naked. You can find it in all of the podcast apps. Um, I'm all over the place. Teamalme.com is the website. My last name is A-L-M-E. So teamalme.com. You can find all the links there if you want to follow a link to one of your favorite podcast players like Spotify or Apple or, or Google or wherever. Uh, they're all there on the website as well as the socials. I'm at Party Naked Pod on all of the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of them at Party Naked Pod. Uh, shit happens when you party naked. Um, it's a comedy podcast. It stars me, but sometimes my wife jumps in and other guests. And uh, like I said earlier, you got to come on. We're going to watch Better Off Dad. My wife hasn't seen it either. And we'll do a breakdown. We'll do a shit happens breakdown, which is a much messier and less organized <laughs> breakdown. But we'll come up We'll come up with a, a, a ratings for Better Off Dad. And uh, so you should come on the show so we can discuss my one of my uh, classic films that I've been, I've just loved for half my whole life, and that's been more than half my whole life at this point. It's better off dead. 
Uh, so you all uh, look out, be on the lookout for that. But go catch up on some episodes. Shit happens when you party naked. All the podcast players, teamelme.com. You can find me. I'm out there. What's what? Hells yes. Absolutely go check out their show. I listen to it every episode. I'm actually, yeah. I was finishing. You guys have my favorite movie I was finishing podcast. your most recent on my way home today. And <laughs> oh yeah, ha, that was a ooh, that was an uncomfortable one. I was sweating bullets during that one. We're live streaming. My gay friend is in the uh, is in the live chat, and I'm like, oh please, dude, don't say the FAG word again. <laughs> like, I'm like sweating bullets and shit. I'm like, okay, this guy said fag twenty times, and my gay friend is in the chat, and I'm like, oh, uncomfortable. Oh, but it's what I do to entertain you people. So uh, just understand I'm pro free speech. So you're allowed to say shit that's going to make me uncomfortable <laughs> on my own show. And I will let you have the floor. But uh, holy cow, you're going to get the hate mail, not me. Uh, yeah, I could hear the nervousness in your voice occasionally. <laughs> yeah, I was like, ha, 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 ha. I was like, so how about those Red Sox? Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, so, yeah, I'll put links to all of his stuff in the show notes. Um, Beautiful, And if you like this episode want to check out more of her stuff, be sure to follow and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. We're damn near everywhere that you can find a podcast. Uh, You can... They're all over. They're like COVID-19. They're everywhere. Uh, You can also catch all of our episodes on youtube be sure to follow us on social media we are at the all bros on all platforms uh you can hit us up on our email the all bros channel gmail.com uh if you want to ep- or message us with episode ideas answer our question of the week or if you want to join us on an episode we would love to have anyone on you can also check out our website tinyurl.com forward slash the all bros where you can find links to everything that we do as well as our uh, merch store, which is on T Public. Hell yeah! yeah. Hell we yeah. had like a bunch of uh, artworks get taken down this past week. <laughs> it's that copyright infringement yeah. shit. It's people the one that pissed me off the most. They took down our Toy property. Story four one, and I built that one from freaking scratch. Like, I'd use all of the default settings on my damn computer, and freaking that mouse had to come screw me in the ass. (laughs) Yeah, man, fuck Disney, (laughs) fuck John Lasseter, fuck Pixar. Yeah, so... Oh, well. Anyway, that's where you can find all of our stuff. Links will all be in the show notes, and look forward to next week, where we will be breaking down the horror slash Christmas movie, Better Watch Out. Oh, okay. I got a thing. I, I really have no experience with the horror Christmas movies, the, you know, the the black Christmases and stuff. I have a hard time. I really, honestly, as I've gotten older, I really actually don't like watching movies where people get hurt. You know what I mean? Especially like innocent people. Like, I don't know. I don't mind watching Adolf Hitler getting shot to death and Inglorious Bastards because, you know, Hitler was a pretty bad guy. But like, you know, the like the innocent girls that tend to get cut up and killed in their 20s or, or late teens in these uh, horror films, I always wind up feeling bad for because I'm like, you know, she didn't really do anything. Like, yeah, so she blew her boyfriend and smoked a joint. But like, 
you shouldn't kill someone for doing that. Like, you know, maybe slap her on the wrist a little bit, but like gutting her uh, viscerally while, you know, I, I always just feel bad because I'm like, that's someone's kid that you're just wasting for no reason. You're just throwing this. Like, so actually, like the idea of watching people get hurt, I don't really like. And then the idea of watching people get hurt on what's supposed to be like a fun, beautiful <laughs> family holiday like christmas it just it feels too raw it's like icky you know that's coming from a guy who said <laughs> cunt on this episode of several times you know it just feels icky to me to watch like i don't want to see someone getting killed on christmas eve they should be spending time with their family they should be you know drinking eggnog and getting drunk on whiskey and shooting the shit and watching a christmas movie not not getting fucking knifed to death by a psycho i don't want to think about psychos on christmas so honestly i'm i'm looking forward to hearing your breakdown of this movie because I have yet to really find a, a Christmas-themed horror movie because I do like horror as a genre, typically, just more around Halloween, like in October. But um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm willing to try a, a, a Christmas-themed horror film because uh, I feel like it could be done. I just haven't found one yet. Yeah, I have a soft spot, and me and Rose are a bit sadistic, so we're fine doing <laughs> movies like this. Yeah, but clearly. Yeah, I've seen this one before, and it it's it's nuts. It's it's a wild ride. So yeah, you guys can look forward to that. And until next week, this has been the All Bros Podcast. I'm Caleb, and for my co-host Johnny Rose, we'll catch you guys next week. Deuces, deuces, adios, people. Oh, my show feels naked when Rose doesn't do that his Herbert impression. <laughs> <laughs>